Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor, and uh, welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, if you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a podcast wherein Kyle and I take turns introducing one another to movies. Um, this month, the month of August 2019, uh, we're doing a little something called Anime August. Uh, this is a special event on the program wherein Kyle has given me the the reins uh, to the programming this month. Basically, he's letting me pick all the movies. Uh, and for the entire month, we're just covering uh, Japanese animated films. Um, largely, the reason for doing this is that Kyle has expressed interest in the medium to me in the past. Um, he doesn't have too much of a background in anime, so I figured I'd use this month to kind of give him like a an introductory course to the world of anime. Uh, so we've already covered a couple episodes already this month. Um, first up, we did the OVA, the two-part OVA, uh, Otaku no Video animated by Studio Gainax. And then following that, we did Production IG's uh, Ghost in the Shell. Uh, and today, we're going to be covering the first uh, Hayao Miyazaki film, uh, well, first and only Miyazaki film that we'll be covering this month, uh, 1997's Princess Mononoke, which is, of course, a Studio Ghibli film. Uh, Kyle, if I throw the name Miyazaki at you, what does it mean to you, if anything? Say it one more time. Miyazaki? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> okay. So, this <laughs> I think I explained that Kyle doesn't have much of a background on anime. Uh, this is ex exactly why we're covering uh, the episodes that we're covering this month. Because I'm trying to hit like basically all the big animation houses and all the big name directors all in one fell swoop. And uh, no discussion about modern day anime uh, is complete without mention of Hayao Miyazaki. He's kind of a oftentimes thought of as like the Walt Disney of the Japanese animation world. Um, he's kind of like uh, in the 60s and I th maybe even a little bit before, there was a fellow by the name of uh, Osamu Tezuka or Tezuka Osamu. Um, he was the guy who made Astro Boy, uh, oftentimes thought of as the, the father of anime and manga. Like he's the, he's the modern day like progenitor of anime as we know it today. And Miyazaki's like the next generation, essentially. Gotcha. Um, he kind of specializes in feature films for the most part. Uh, many of the themes in this film, Princess Mononoke, are, are like core to his oeuvre. <laughs> um, oftentimes deals with man's relationship to nature. Um, Studio Ghibli is famous for a couple of things in the animation world. Um, <laughs> gorgeous animation, like gorgeous paintings uh, for background scenery. Um, I think for the majority of their existence, they worked exclusively in, in hand-drawn, hand-painted animation. Um, and then also they're, they're known for rendering food like uniquely well. Like they make food look absolutely gorgeous. And we didn't really get that in this film, unfortunately. Um, but that is something they're famous for. <laughs> and uh, Miyazaki in particular oftentimes has uh, pigs in his movie. <laughs> it's, it's just a, a, a thing he does. Um, but yeah, uh, personally, I haven't seen that many of his films. Um, they're all gorgeous in their own way. Um, but for me, he's, I know every product he makes is beautiful. Um, but I, I, I don't know, just not terribly personally attached to most of them. Some of them are absolutely gorgeous and, and like mean a lot to me. Like uh, My Neighbor Totoro, 
Uh, I saw that in the theater as a little kid. My mom saw like an ad for it in the newspaper and was like, get in the car. We're going to go see this. And I was like, why? She's like, it's big in Japan. We're going to go see it. (laughs) (laughs) And to this day, I adore that film. In fact, I was debating maybe having you watch that instead of this. Uh, However, um, from a cultural standpoint, I thought this one might have more value to it. Um, And I don't know if you did any research about this film, but... Uh, it's it's kind of like a, a pivotal film in the, in the world of uh, Japanese animation uh, in the U.S. Uh, so it came out in 1997. Uh, it was released in the U.S. theatrically in 1999 um, by Miramax, by the Weinsteins, um, which is a big fucking deal, like to have a, a Japanese animated film released in theaters. Um, I think the incentive for Miramax to gobble up the distribution rights for the film was the fact that it was the highest grossing animated film in Japanese history at that point. Uh, so, you know, the Weinsteins are definitely known for being shrewd businessmen. So that made sense from a business standpoint. Um, but this was just not something you saw very often. Uh, foreign, a foreign animated film distributed like widespread theatrically in the U.S., like, can you think of many examples of that? I can't think of one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's it was a rarity, and it was up for all sorts of awards. I think it won the equivalent of the Japanese Academy Award in oh. 1997. So it was a big fucking deal. And uh, to their credit, uh, maybe Harvey, no, maybe Bob more than Harvey, <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, to their credit, they did not fuck up the the uh, the dub. Um, they did release the film dubbed in theaters. Uh, this was 1999, so we weren't quite ready to subtitle our animated films. Um, but the the English voice cast and the performances were very good, actually. Uh, Claire Danes played uh, Princess Mononoke, the titular Princess Mononoke. Uh, Minnie Driver was Lady Aboshi. Uh, Billy Crudup was Ashitaka. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton played Jigo, the little monk guy. Uh, and my two favorites, though, were Jillian uh, Anderson as Moro, the uh, the wolf mother, and uh, Keith fucking David as Okoto, the uh, the blind boar god. Mm-hmm. Um, and to his credit, I think he I think he topped the the original Japanese voice actor, because there's one scene in particular that Keith David did something with his voice. Um, it's the scene towards the very end of the film when the boar is starting to become cursed and is mm-hmm. charging through the woods. Um, he's like crying out to his 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 fallen warriors. He calls them mm-hmm. uh, basically all the dead the dead boars, um, and he sounds delusional and terrified at the same time. Where he he sounds like like maybe he's senile or something. And mm. the Japanese voice actor, you didn't quite get that sense. He sounded more like he had more sense to him. Whereas Keith David's is just like haunting and, and like whoa he's he's gone off the deep end. <laughs> yeah. Plus it's Keith fucking David. <laughs> noted, noted <laughs> voice actor. Yeah, noted. I mean, it's fucking what Goliath from Gargoyles. He's uh, I think he was in the Halo games. Oh yeah. He, he's done, no, he's he, done a lot. You know no. his voice. I'm actually probably yeah. gonna I'm gonna watch Coraline later, and he's the voice of the cat in there. I didn't know that. I, I haven't seen Coraline. Is that any good? Oh yeah, for stop uh for stop motion, yeah, that's really good. Is that well, I love stop motion. Don't yeah. <laughs> well I like the story too. The story's cut. It's a creepy little movie. Like it's it's nice. And it takes 
I can't remember where it takes place. I think it's in Oregon or Washington, or at least that's what it looks like. Um, the opening scenes are really cool because it's like foggy, um, like foggy Pacific Northwest look, and they're like drinking tea and it's raining. <clears throat> well, yeah, it's on Netflix right now, so. Um, oh, that means absolutely nothing to me. <laughs> that's right, you, you don't have the Netflix. Um, no, Coraline, I think that was a. Uh maybe Laika Studios' first animated film? I could be wrong on that, but um, Laika's the same folks that did, uh, what was it, Paranorman? Or is it The Box Trolls? Fuck, I can't remember. Oh, um, I'm not sure. And they for sure did uh, Kubo and the Two Strings and that, that Sasquatch movie. I think it's like The Link or The Missing Link or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a wonderful studio. I, I think I've mentioned before on, on the air, uh, uh, at the end of their movies, they they do like the Jackie's Chan uh, outtake thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> they do the they do the stunt reel, but with animation. And uh, have you seen Kubo and the Two Strings? No, I I haven't oh, I haven't dude, gotten around you, to you, it. You you might want to check that out. It's good times. And from a just pure pure aesthetic standpoint, it's so beautiful. Uh, the animation is crisp to the point of like. Are you sure this is stop motion? <laughs> yeah, I think that's what that's what keeps deterring me is I'm like I want to watch it, but I kind of like like that James and the Giant Peach where it's like kind of so you you need a little bit of jank for it to feel real. I like it. I like it to have a little bit of jank. Um, I, night- I I feel you. No, I yeah. get it. <laughs> the Nightmare Before Christmas is like as like the best it can be because it's still a little Nightmare on Nightmare Before Christmas is still a little janky, but James and the Giant Peach has definitely got some jank in it. Yeah, um, but it's charming. <laughs> Coraline is more is closer to Kubo, I would say, but it's still qu- not quite there. It's not quite as quite as crisp. Well, I mean, the tools available to stop motion animators are vastly superior to what they once were. Mm-hmm. It used to be just kind of like spackle and spit, yeah. <laughs> just like we'll fucking figure that we'll MacGyver this shit together and figure it out. Nowadays, though, like computers are essential to everything they do. Um, things like wire removal, like if you're going, it, I, these are the things I used to do when I was a fucking kid. Was how do I make someone jump in a stop motion animated film? It's like, well, I'm gonna tie him up on fishing line, and then uh, find the, like the right angle to hide the the fishing line. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, with with computers and Photoshop, because you're animating still frames of animation. All you do is you just remove it, you smudge it out of the of the image. Mm. So things like that, computers factor into the process, and it used to be all done like physically, like pretty much in camera on in the moment. Um, and it it's come a long way. <laughs> but uh, what I wanted to say about Kubo is uh, there's one character in there that's a uh, gigantic in comparison to the all the all the other characters, and they built like a 20, 30 foot tall puppet. Oh, and wow. they ha- they stop motion animated that. That's nuts. It's, ins- it's insane. You need you need to see that. Even if you don't see the movie, you should probably just look that up because it's pretty fucking impressive. Hmm. But anyway, uh, we should probably talk about Princess Mononoke. Uh, hmm. Japanese title is Mononoke Hime, which basically means the same thing. Mononoke is like a it's kind of like a spirit or a monster, or something in between. It's one of those esoteric terms that good luck. Good luck 100% translating it, um, but we'll just, there's there's a lot of terms in here that I'll probably just default to the, the English translation because it, it's probably going to get tiresome, uh, things like the name of the village and things like that. 
Um, but yeah, uh, this movie, I think, is absolutely gorgeous from an audiovisual standpoint. I feel like I say this about every animated film we cover on the show. <laughs> but um, for me, it's... I don't know. I I feel something when I watch it, but it's not it's not a hundred percent engagement. Like it, it it's not terribly important to me from a personal standpoint, but I value it for for its images and its concepts, if that makes sense. Um, so anyway, we should probably talk about the movie. Uh, it takes place in the Muromachi period of Japanese history, which was kind of a rough time <laughs> uh, this was like the the feudal era kind of where a lot of warlords were trashing each other constantly and and the government was kind of shaky um, which explains why there's a lot of scenes in the story where there's a bunch of samurai running around just fucking up peasants and stuff <laughs> it was kind of the style of the time <laughs> um but i because uh, i was watching this on blu-ray uh, it needs to be said that uh, Di- the disney corporation uh owns the exclusive U.S. distribution rights, um, maybe even just all the distribution rights outside of Japan for Studio Ghibli's films. Uh, so they, they put the Magic Castle right up front on this disc. <laughs> um, so the first fucking thing you see when you start this movie is the fucking Disney Castle. Um, and then we get a shot of some foggy mountains. And right right out the gate, uh, the background paintings are just killing it. Um Ghost production IG, I think, I, I want to say maybe they have the title for the best and most intricately detailed background paintings in animation, um, but Ghibli's like right up there, and some of the renderings of the scenery are just absolutely gorgeous, and there's a there's a long line of prologue text here um, that basically talks about man's relationship with nature, and how long long time ago uh, the gods pretty much walked the earth and man's place was. Uh, beneath that of nature Um, they tried to live in harmony but uh, definitely nature had a hand over over man Um, i missed most of this because it was moving pretty fast um but then we we have this shot like descending into the forest and oh fuck dude did you notice the music in this movie kyle i did i i put down nice score because i'm like i know trevor's gonna mention something about it Oh, Trevor's going to mention it. Yeah. <laughs> Trevor's going to get right fucking into it because uh, the composer of this film uh, is Joe Hisaishi. Um, Joe Hisaishi is the win button. Joe Hisaishi is is broken. Like, like it's just not fucking fair. It's it's. I've used this line before, but it's like putting ACDC in a trailer for a, a movie. Mm-hmm. So it's going to get your attention. It's going to make you want to see it. <laughs> it's like, God damn it, you hooked me. And yeah, uh, his, his music is spectacular. Uh, ev- every movie he's worked on is just unbelievable. Um, he's Japanese John Williams, basically. Just cannot miss. Um, and this score in particular is maybe one of the best I've heard. Uh, it's... In terms of uh, musical scores from films that I've listened to straight through, um, I think Batman Returns holds the title <laughs> um, for a number of times I've played it back in its entirety. Um, but this this movie, Princess Mononoke, some of the mel- some of the melodies and the themes in this score are just some of the best I've ever heard, and it it does that amazing trick that I know, I know nothing about musical composition or theory, um, but it's this amazing trick where 
it makes you feel nostalgic listening to it, even if it's the first time you heard it. Or something about the melody feels familiar, even if it's not. Um, and holy shit, this the score. Look it up if you haven't heard it before. <laughs> but yeah, as soon as we descend into the forest, the fucking strings kick in, and you're like... <gasps> <laughs> and we see the the feet of some wormy tar creature like that's my best description of it a wormy tar creature smashing down some trees bam title card uh and then we get introduced to our main character uh ashitaka and his mount uh yaku or yakuru um what do you think of these two characters kyle um i cannot stand ash he's a fucking he's so annoying in this movie um <laughs> Part yeah, part part of this is like he's such a fucking goody two shoes. Like he's just constantly like, no 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 no, we're not going to kill each other. We absolutely can't kill each other. I'm going to go help her not kill that person. He's just constantly just being a fucking goody two shoes. Um, we start off with him being awesome, and that's the other thing is he's awesome and everything. <laughs> so he was just annoying to me. Um, the characters I I do like come uh, later. Um, I loved his his elk though. His what is he elk reindeer. I don't know. I think it might be a fictional animal. I think they call it like a red elk, but yeah, the horn, yeah. the horns, and the way that it moves, kind of like a dog. Sometimes it's it's not. It's something in between. Yeah, it's it's about the size of about the size of an elk. So I'm just gonna go with the red elk. Yeah, I liked I liked the sure, red elk. Yeah. Uh, he was cute. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I don't like Ash. Uh, he you really don't like annoyed. Ash. I don't I, like I, Ash. I'm inclined to agree. Um, <laughs> no, it it. There is something to be said for a character that's too good. Like the kids call that being a Mary Sue, yeah, uh, or a Gary Stew. Gary <laughs> Stew, yeah. He he's a Gary Stew, um, and yeah, he has a bit of that. And uh, it's a thing that oftentimes happens in anime. I don't entirely know the the psychology or the philosophy behind it, um, but there's a there's a line I toss out there when I'm making fun of my friends who are maybe a little bit more attached or and in the know about anime because i've mentioned it before i've kind of been out of the game for a decade plus uh, mm-hmm. me and anime broke up a long time ago um but the the line i throw out there is if we try our best we can do anything pretty and much ash has that attitude and i get frustrated with that because anime has a common theme that pops up in a lot of its stories oftentimes dealing with the concept of war and man's inhumanity to man and oftentimes the protagonist objects to this and somehow makes a monumental impact on the world around them but in a way that would make no sense in the real world mm-hmm. um one of my favorite anime series is gundam i i've said it before i will i will show up for gundam <laughs> like, like that's the one anime that i will pay money and i will show up if they make a new one uh pretty consistently but they have this thing they do, and the entire concept of the show is it's about a like an ongoing galactic war, basically. Um, but they do this thing with the protagonist where uh, they'll be like, no, we need to find a way to make peace. And then they'll be sitting in a giant war machine fighting constantly from like minute from minute one to minute 90 of the movie. But then they'll find a way to not kill anyone. It's like that's mm-hmm. fucking bullshit. Do you know how much harder it is to fight someone and not kill them? Did they like, see Braveheart? No, it. I mean, it's the same objection I have to uh, Captain America: Civil War. It's like that whole airport sequence. You can't play fight. You cannot play fight. Like it. It just doesn't work that way. Don't get me started on that nerd. 
Uh, and well, the one thing I do like about Ash is that he has a lot of setbacks. Even though his attitude remains the same from minute one to minute 135, <laughs> this is a long movie. I do like that his his curse does cause him to do things that maybe he doesn't want to do, and he has to deal with that. See, I think it would have been better if they would have let his character die, like because of the curse. Like he's on, like he actually has. He's on the clock. As soon as it happens, like, listen, you've got to get this quest done before you die. And they don't really do that. And they actually neutralize it. And I'm yeah. like, I'm, I was kind of disappointed with that. Well, especially since he's at peace with it from the yeah. beginning of the movie. He's ready they, for it. Maybe if I mean, yeah, it would make more sense to write him struggling with it if he's actually going to have to come to terms with it. But he's like, immediately, yeah. he's like, all right, I'm fine. I'm totally ready to die. And then he doesn't. I'm like, no, well, God you're, damn it. You're right. From a, from a writing standpoint, that would have been... I think more interesting if yeah. you got to see him have like an emotional breakdown over it where it's like god damn it we're at minute 90 of this 135 minute movie <laughs> and i still haven't removed this curse but no he's okay with it from the beginning <laughs> so it, it takes away some of the tension i guess a lot of it in fact um but yeah at this point in the movie he's got a top knot very kind of important i guess it's a small detail but important and uh He's doing fucking parkour on the rock wall. Uh, that's mm-hmm. another... I've noticed that's like a thing with Miyazaki. Um, it might just be a Studio Ghibli thing, more so than a Miyazaki thing, because he's just a director. Studio Ghibli makes films outside of just him. Um, in fact, <laughs> there, was a funny, there was a funny period in the studio's history where uh, his son, Goro, was um, in position to like subsume his, his role as like the creative lead for the studio. But then... Hayao Miyazaki was like, nah, son, you ain't ready. (laughs) (laughs) And he came out of retirement, and he was like, son, you're fucking it up. You ain't ready for the keys to the castle. It was fucking hilarious. (laughs) But I think it might be a Studio Ghibli thing where um, a lot of their central characters in particular are a very fleet of foot, and they move with a confidence and like ease of motion that's, it's not realistic, but it's really cool to watch where it's like, holy shit, I wish I could move like a gymnast and like a, a ninja, basically. Because like some, water... some of the jumps these people take are like, oh, my God, he is so dead. <laughs> it's kind of like a watered down superhero. Like it's it's yeah, it's, we're, we're not yeah. saying superhero, but like they have they have super abilities. Yeah, it's, it's like they're they're able to move in a way that's like they have zero fear about taking a bad step or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like you don't get many scenes in Studio Ghibli movies where people are like doing the cliffhanger thing and like trying to move along like a, a shite, like a, a slight like escarpment or like, oh, my God, it's a, a, it's a sheer cliff. How am I going to get up? It's like, no, they just kind of like bounce up the walls. <laughs> what yeah. the fuck? Um, so, yeah, uh, at this point, the wise woman at the village... Uh, at Ash's village, uh, his name is Ashitaka, but I'm gonna keep calling him Ash because Ash is just fun. easier. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, wise woman you, the, the Japanese, the Japanese names and words just glide right out of you. For me, it's they don't. It's not as it's not as easy. Okay, well, going forward, we'll we'll find a way. Uh, I'll give you both the English name and the Japanese name, and we can just <laughs> fi- we'll play it by you. Um, so the wise woman of the village wants everyone to head back. Because there's some shit going down. And uh, Ash runs into some girls with some funny hats. Um, I'm guessing these are historically accurate. I'm not sure. But he's like, hey, get back to the village. There's something bad happening. And uh, Ash 
just quickly scales this lookout tower, and there's an old man seated up there. I like the I, scaling of the, I did like the scaling of the lookout tower. I was paying attention for this. I'm like, okay, I I see him. They they like they show like a view of it, and they imply that he's about to climb up this thing. So he just swings by on the red elk, and he they do the whole thing. He climbs up the ladder real quick, and then it goes into. It, there's only a little bit of ladder at the bottom, and then it's like the actual architecture of the of the um of the tower that he's climbing and there's places for him to put his feet and i was paying attention i'm like i want to see how he's going to climb this i thought it was pretty good i no, I, I, it's it's really cool to watch yeah like, because because the the drawings like the way it's animated people move like people yeah but but they move Quick. without like a sense of fear and with inhuman agility but like the the physics of the way their body moves it's it's pretty accurate so yeah. it's like wow if only i could move like that <laughs> right um it makes me think of those uh those mountain villages i can't remember what part of asia but i've seen like documentaries about it where basically it's like a a mountain village that everything's on an incline so that yeah. people have just kind of like developed a physiology and a sense of balance to the point that they can negotiate it no problem so you see like women carrying babies and baskets on their back like walking along a sheer cliff like with zero fear because <laughs> because this is something they've been doing for generations it's is nuts it, is it those like those villages where it takes the kids two hours to climb down a mountain and across a, like a suicide rope bridge just to get to school in the morning yeah basically it's it's, oh, it's like the thunderdome village or something <laughs> um but yeah uh, ashitaka or ash uh, bugs the old man who's sitting up in the tower and an old man is concerned like he's like there's something out in those woods we got to be ready for it and ash immediately knocks an arrow again with such confidence and speed that's like ah he 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 does this a lot <laughs> he's quick on the draw um and then we get this really cool shot of a it's like a, a rock wall that they've built at the at the edge of the wilderness like of the woods and we see some sort of tarry substance start to like poke through the cracks in the rocks. Uh, and I think we see a couple of flashes of red eyes. And then there's a pause, a nice beat, and then boom! Like the rock, the rock wall just gets smashed. And this wormy tar beast, I don't know what else to call it, it, it comes running out of the forest and it needs to be said, everything it touches decays and like rots instantaneously so this thing is not safe to be around at all um and the old man immediately declares that it's a demon and he's like do not fucking touch it <laughs> like number one <laughs> number one don't touch the wormy tar beast <laughs> that decays everything it touches it's like noted old man um but yeah uh, as soon as it jumps out of the woods um it pauses for a second despite coming out with all that bluster and uh, all the the worms are i'm struggling to define exactly what they are cuz it needs to be said that in terms of coloration they're like they're like purple purplish black um they're they're like viscous and gooey it but looks, they look like snakes snakes or worms or lampreys it moves somewhat like um an anemone an anemone like something mm -hmm, in a mm -hmm. coral bed um and i think it's just supposed to be off-putting and kind of gross it, it reminds me of um like something you'd like something that would grow in garbage kind of mag kind of maggoty is what i took it as um but you keep saying Ash, and I keep thinking Ash versus the Evil Dead, and now I can't not think of Bruce Campbell 
doing like a space jam in this movie where he's he's well, actually I mean, trying he to, did it once <laughs> like, yeah that's what the whole show is is him hunting demons and like he would actually fit here as this character except he would just be calling everybody babe yeah. uh I mean, he'd decapitate one of these samurai later in the movie and be like, hail to the king, baby. Yep, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so, let me, ask me, like, I need to ask, Kyle. Um, uh, Army of Darkness mm-hmm. is would be the equivalent of that. In Ash vs. Evil Dead, does he do that again? Does he does he ash his way into another dimension or time? No, so he... <laughs> he's watched the first episode of Ash vs. Evil Dead because it's pretty funny. Uh <laughs> So what he does is, is this is after Army of Darkness. He's back in the real world for present day. And um, demons just start popping up out of nowhere. And he's just like, well, that's weird. I don't know why they're <laughs> popping up. And uh, he's like, and then he kind of thinks back. And uh, he lives in a trailer at this point. But he's uh, he's hanging out with a lady in the trailer. And he's drunk and smoking weed. And he's like, I'll read from it. I don't care. He's got the book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. oh my god <laughs> so he was crossfaded and read from the book and he's like ah damn <laughs> like he's probably shouldn't have back. done that <laughs> oh it's so funny it's a it, it's a great way to open the show because that's, like, that's pretty good it's like, i need to continue watching it i i'm i'm on Mad Men now so it's hard to get anything else going it's, um that'll that'll happen but yeah it's it's present day uh towards your time though it's fun okay um so yeah the the, the wormy tar beast uh, it jumps out of the forest and then the the worms or the eels or the lampreys or whatever you want to call them they they like jump off of this thing for a second and we see that it's it's a giant boar but it's covered in this crap and uh it only takes a few seconds for the worms to like land back on top of it so we can tell that whatever has the shit on it um this boar is not happy about it uh, so it's trying to shake them off but can't um but yeah, it has these frightening red eyes, and uh, again, the score kicks into high gear here, and the theme for the the demon beasts, like the demon gods in this movie, that pops up every every time these things are on screen, is is frightening and very effective. Uh, and it takes off, like it starts smashing through the through the tall grass or the long grass. Don't go into the long grass. Don't go into the long grass. <laughs> uh, and it makes a beeline for Ash's village. Um, I noted here that Ash has to shoot an arrow at Yaku uh, to get it to get his red elk to run. Like it, it freezes for a second as this thing's running straight at it, mm-hmm. and uh, it smashes through the through the lookout tower. He gets on Yaku, and I uh, he gives chase. He's chasing this demon god towards the village, um, and his first course of action is actually to like get out in front of it and talk to it. Like he's yelling at it basically like stop and I th- the language he uses here is kind of indicative of the times we're in uh, where it's like people have animistic beliefs where it's like ev- everything everything has a spirit to it like we have a way of communicating with or paying tribute to everything so I'm going to try that so he he pleads with it to stop it doesn't give a fuck <laughs> um, and there's this really cool shot here it's like chase cam I called it where he's he's running in front of it and this thing, it it moves so fucking fast, but it's basically chasing him through the long grass. And the animation here is ultra crisp, like more so than other instances in the film. This film is, is gorgeous from top to bottom, but there are instances, and this happens in 2D animation, where it's like 
important shots need to be animated like 10 times better than the other shit like dialogue scenes and stuff like that and this would be an instance where it's like okay you you guys go cram yourself in the back office and just do the the chase camp (laughs) like for the next two months that's all you're fucking doing (laughs) but yeah uh do you remember how uh, how Ash uh, finally resolves this situation? He shoots it in the fucking face. Uh, <laughs> he's like, gets him right in the eye. And he's like, <laughs> I'm going to keep going. He gets one eye, and I'm like, okay, you got to shoot it in the fucking eye to kill it, I suppose. Um, it's a... Notice that when it's in this, like, I'm going to call it Venom suit, because uh, it's more or less <laughs> what symbiote? it is. Yeah, it's like a symbiote. Um, he's got eight legs. It's got eight legs when it when it's in this uh, in the symbiote form. Um, but he shoots it in the eye, and you get, like, that it moves off of the boar's face, and you can see the boar again. Um, and then he, of course, Robin Hood's it again, just right into the eye, and he ends up defeating the disgusting thing. Um, boars scare the shit out of me, by the way. Uh, they're, they're way too big and I don't like them. They, I, this is effective for me. Like these boar, the boars in this were creepy. I have to admit. Yeah. Uh, the, I, yeah, no joke. Um, Miyazaki, like I said, boars and pigs are a recurring motif in a lot of his films. And the way he, he, the way he has his animators render them. And by the way, as an animation director, apparently he, he, actually draws a lot of the animation himself oh nice um yeah gets in the trenches um the way that he renders pigs is does he also cut his own hair (laughs) uh probably he has a signature haircut it sucks his own dick (laughs) he cuts his own hair sucks his own i mean he's he's a very old man so like he's he's probably been taking care of himself i would not (laughs) i would i would not doubt if he was limber enough to pull that off (laughs) But the way he renders pigs, it's like they have, like, a half measure extra detail to them than other animals. Um, I don't know. Like, maybe he has an affinity for them. But it's it's eerie how you have this one type of animal or one type of character that is more detailed than the others. And it, it just makes it unsettling in some way. Well, I think boars are, in- are an interesting um, just animal in general because they're they're one of the few animals that can keep us out of the top part of the food chain and it's not one that we would normally think of because a boar will fuck you up uh they're big and they're not nice and they smell awful uh i mean hannibal for crying out loud that's what that's one of the most effective scenes in that movie is is the yep. boars um but i remember i'm thinking back to when we did um the apocalypse now documentary um uh, hearts of darkness and you remember the scene i'm talking about where they're watching the they're watching the animals be sacrificed in the middle of the day, and that tribesman is just stabbing a pig straight up, and we see it and hear it screaming, and it's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Um, I didn't really notice quite a bit. I mean, there is definitely pig noises, but were they legit pig noises, or was it Frank Welker? I think it was Japanese Frank Welker. Japanese Frank Welker. Okay, that's yeah, what I thought. I, I, I'm like, I think so for the most part. Because that would have been an effective. Like, if they would have, if they would have used like pigs screaming in this, it would have been even creepier. Uh, because the, the way they animate them in this is really good, I think. Yeah, no, across the board. But uh, yeah, for some reason, his pigs are always rendered very well. And I, th- like, I want to keep talking about this because it's fascinating to me. But I think part of what what makes boars and pigs so creepy is um, their teeth, mm. the construction of their teeth, and their their mouths, and um, the fact that they're omnivorous and they have a, they have a 
no fucks given attitude about what goes into their mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, say you're being stalked by a tiger or attacked by a tiger. Mm-hmm. You know that that's a carnivore from top to bottom. It's designed solely for that purpose. Like, the yeah. construction of its mouth and its teeth, it's meant to eat meat. Like, that's what its mouth is designed for. A pig, though, is designed to eat whatever is in front of it. So if it attacks you, like, if it's coming after you, it's it's not because that's what it's designed for. It's it's basically just kind of coming at you and seeing you as, as just mud, basically. Yeah. So it, the intention, I think, is what makes them creepy. That's like you're being mauled by a garbage disposal as opposed to, like, a part of the circle of life or something. I mean, cats will fuck with you. Like, we'll, we'll most likely, if we get attacked by a tiger, tiger's going to bite our jugular and we're done, pretty much. Exactly. But other cats will actually mess with their food for a little bit before it dies. A boar, I don't know. They might just start eating your foot. And I, just... I don't think the intention is to kill you. No. That's, that's what I mean. I think the yeah. intention would be different, where it's like they're just grabbing parts of you and just taking bites, basically. Whereas a tiger, like, it has generations upon generations of evolution that tell it to just kill it and then eat it yeah <laughs> they're a hunter whereas a pig it's just like oh that guy's that guy's injured and laying down i'm just gonna run up and bite whatever i see if he's screaming i don't give a fuck i'm just gonna keep biting i'm gonna keep fuck. biting until i'm full not until he's dead until i'm full Ugh, um, which i think is is terrifying oh um, by yeah. the way there's a there's a korean monster movie that i haven't seen um but it's called cha and it's about a giant boar Maybe look it up. Ooh, oh, I think I've seen uh, I've seen that uh, popping up here and there. I might I might look into that because I saw the front cover for it. Yeah, um, I think it had a pretty big name director attached to it too. So it's like a it's like a oh. it's like a Lake Placid situation where it's like this had Ow. more money pu- more money put into it than you would expect. That was I'm trying to sit through Lake Placid. I got about halfway through. I'm like, okay, I can't do it anymore. Uh, come for the Gleason, stay for the Platt. Yeah, you come for the Gleason, <laughs> stay for the Platt. Um, Actually, no. Ch- scratch that. Reverse stay, it. F- stay for the Bridget Fond. Oh, I forgot she's in there. Mm. Mm. She's she's oddly hot. I don't get it. She um, got she got perfect nose and just cool. She's got a great mouth. Like she does things <laughs> with her mouth. They're just really cool. It's like Chris, it's like it's like Chris Pratt's hands. It's like he just does cool stuff with his hands. I don't, I don't know it's Chris Pratt's. I don't want to watch any more of his movies. I'll watch the third <laughs> Star-Lord movie, and then I'm, I'm out. <laughs> the that's, third Star-Lord that's movie? all I've got left for Marvel is when well, I get I that. I mean, that might end up being the 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 Thor show guest-starring Star-Lord. <laughs> that's totally fine. That's the smartest thing they've done with, with that franchise. Honestly, yeah. like, put Thor with the Guardians. I'm like, perfect. That's yeah. great. They're the yeah, best. Let's move. The best. Let's <laughs> The best part. Sorry. Anyway, let's move along. So Ash, uh, he ends up getting uh, his arm nicked by this disgusting piece of shit, um, but not before he ends up killing it. Uh, he does kill it, and he goes over to it, and the thing starts talking shit to him. He's like, "You disgusting little fucker! Like I'm kill the fuck out of you if I wasn't dying." And uh, <laughs> if you didn't shoot me between the eyes with a fucking you, arrow, <laughs> if you didn't shoot me in the fucking head, I'd kill you. And uh, <laughs> He he's just kind of talking some shit on his way out, and Ash is like, "Well, what's what's the problem, bro? Like, well, we're not vibing. What, what what was the deal?" And he's just like, Ugh. "He makes a gross noise and he decays, mm-hmm. and he's giving off a like immediately. You can tell that he stinks, and it looks like he stinks. Almost, a, I was thinking that the boar had been dead for a while when this symbiote took over, um, but I'm not really led to believe that. That's just how I took it when I first saw it." Um, 
but uh, he's got something wrong with his hand, and they don't demonstrate. Uh, we don't demonstrate what that causes uh, causes him here. Uh, I think he goes back with the old woman, correct? Yeah. Uh, actually, I got a kick out of this. Um, after the board dies, or right before the board dies, actually, um, the the wise old woman from the village um, arrives on the scene, and the way she shows up is a man is piggybacking her. Yeah. <laughs> and he just like runs in with this old lady on his back. It's adorable. She weighs like ninety um, goddamn pounds. Like, not even. It. She's like seventy eight pounds. She's like fucking Yoda. She's the size of Yoda. Yeah. I mean, she, her character model kind of looks like him too. She got big ears. Um, but yeah, you need to note here that like all the all the villagers that come out to see the big boar, um, everybody's got top knots, and uh, you can tell there's like some shamanistic or like animistic beliefs among them. So this is, I mean, this They're is the Muromachi period. This is this is like what 1300s through like the 1500s. So this was a long time ago, and these are people that live in the woods basically so that their beliefs are a little different yeah. um so they're all kind of reverent towards the boar even though it talks some shit she fucking bows to him she's like yeah oh, after boy. it shit talks her and yeah. she's like eh, it's okay <laughs> it's okay yeah it's, it's like it's like somebody dropping an f-bomb in front of their grandma she's like oh okay. he'll just be that way you know that's just his way he's a good boy <laughs> it's like no grandma He's got diseases, <laughs> and he mm-hmm. and he wants to kill people. <laughs> He's gross, Grandma. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we cut to night, and yeah. Ash is having an audience with like all the village elders. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody's really quiet as the old woman is uh, casting stones. So she's doing like fortune telling, basically, with a bunch of shiny stones. Yeah, and uh, she divines that uh, the boar came from the west, uh, and the way she phrases this, it's like. The West is pretty far from here. <laughs> um, so a different part of the country. Uh, how it got here, uh, we don't know. Um, but she mentions that something inside of the boar poisoned him. And then uh, Ash pulls out. Uh, he bandages his arm immediately. And, in fact, he's, like, yelling at, I think, his sister and some of the other villagers, do not fucking touch it. It's, a, yeah. it's not a normal wound. Uh, so everybody seems to understand that. Like, it's accepted that this wound is different. It's not just a... It's not a flesh wound. It's a curse of some sort. Um, and everybody in the room uh, seems to understand that this this wound on his arm, which, by the way, is rendered as, like, almost, like, cancerous, like, purple sores, basically. Yeah, like, it, it looks, looks like gross. he got... He, looks like he has a botched tribal tattoo, but, like, rendered, rendered in, like, pink and purple. Uh, it's, like, curled all around his forearm. Um, and apparently it means certain death. Um, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but no matter what, he is going to succumb to this curse and die. Yeah. Um, and major plot revelation here is that uh, the old woman uh, rolls an iron ball onto the floor, and she says, "This is what we found inside the the boar corpse. Uh, it was it was causing him great pain, and somehow it made him evil." Um, she advises him to seek out the source of the ball. Maybe he can find a way to reverse his curse maybe not but it's probably a good idea to check it out um we the audience can figure out pretty quickly that's not just a ball of iron that's probably a bullet um Mm-mm. i did not yeah, the, piece that together oh you did not no well because well, cool. at this, at this point we don't have guns like so it didn't make any sense so it, it just seemed like a lead ball that he had inside of him we'll see that that probably made this more interesting for you because you're like, that's interesting. And then later on, we get shown improper 
what what it was. Well, I mean, she's like, this is probably what killed him. I'm like, no, uh, the gross shit was killing him, and then Ash killed him. So I don't know what the significance of this piece of iron is yet. So, no, okay, he, he, succumb- he succumbed to the uh, the Brock Lesnar disease, the diverticulitis or whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, we the name of these these uh, people, by the way, his tribe. Uh, they're called the Emishi, and they're they're like. I want to say native Japanese. Um, Ainu are like the big ones that I know of. Um, Imishi are, I think, like it's uncertain if they're related to them, but basically it's like like native Japanese. Hmm. Um, so some sort native of American from, kind of like yeah, a. Yeah, I gotcha. I mean, they they had indigenous people. They have indigenous people. Um, I did not know. I knew. I, I did not know that Japan had indigenous people. Uh, like all indigenous people, they have gotten the shaft. <laughs> they still exist. Shocker. <laughs> no, they still exist, but they, uh, they've they kind of been buried by the culture around them. Um, but yeah, his people are the Emishi, and uh, it's mentioned here that the, the emperor has just like smashed their, their culture and their people. So they're on their last legs as a society and a culture. Um, and there's an old man in the room that laments that, like, so Ash, our prince... Um, from our thinning bloodline, um, because of our our long traditions, uh, he has to go off in exile now. Basically, if you leave the village, it's my understanding that you gotta you just can't come back. Yeah, because um, they like, make him cut his top knot. Yeah, cut cut your man bun, cover your face up. Nobody touch him or look at him and get the fuck out. All right, but it's really mm-hmm. nice. She's really polite about it. She's like, oh, cut your bun. You gotta fucking leave. No one look at him. Um, he does. He does. No protest. He's just like, yeah, I get it. I, I've got to go. I got to go die. And uh, yeah, <laughs> his uh, sister stops yeah. him at the gate, though. Um, yeah, she's, she's not supposed to. She gives him a dark crystal. She's like, here, take this, so you don't forget <laughs> me. And he's like, no, cool. she gives him the thing from uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie to, to the meteorite oh, fragment. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that. Uh, oh, we're doing that for the show, Kyle. <laughs> we should do we're that for. S- I think that we can do it. St. Elmo's Fire, Batman v. Superman, Mar- Mario Brothers, because I'm assuming it's not a good movie from what I no, understand. No, it is not a good movie. <laughs> we, we need to do our favorite bad movies. I just need to find one for myself. I think we've just about gotten it. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep thinking about it. Um, maybe uh, I can th- think of something for you. But yeah, uh, she gives him a crystal dagger, and then he takes off. And my favorite piece of music maybe in the whole movie plays, uh, it's called Literally Journey to the West. Um, because he is journeying to the west uh, you can also take it as ash's theme it's fucking beautiful um we get it's now daytime uh, we get some peter jackson-esque uh, traveling scenes among the mountains it's a montage of him and yakul uh wandering through the wilderness uh gorgeous backgrounds here and then <laughs> i think the last shot of the montage is him crossing a river uh in his undies yeah which is <laughs> which is cute <laughs> yeah He's just going across in his undies. Uh, and at this point, Ash uh, comes to a, a hill, a hillside, uh, overlooking a burning village. And he starts to descend in there uh, while riding a cool. Um, there's there's some carnage going on here that, um, it needs to be said, the, the character models in this movie are typical Ghibli style uh, slash Miyazaki style. Um, I mean, that in watching this two two-hour plus long movie you probably notice that a lot of the faces for the characters have a similar construction Mm -hmm. like they have a look to them it's a pretty consistent style um 
and it's a very friendly style. Um, but some of the violence in this movie is pretty fucking brutal. <laughs> um, the carnage that we see here is like a bunch of samurai or bandits or something uh, attacking a village, setting it on fire. And I just happened to notice this time um, that there's like a man on the ground and someone with like a, a naginata, which is basically like a katana on a spear, like on a, a long wooden shaft. He, he just like jacks this guy's arm. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, fuck. Um, and immediately they start shooting arrows at Ash. And uh, did you know some of the shit that he does to these people? Yeah, he shoots their fucking, he shoots a dude's head off. Not only that, he shoots a guy's arms, plural, off. Like, arms. So, basically, yeah. a guy is holding holding a sword above his head, and I think Ash shoots him in the in the forearm bracers. So, like, he hits the guy in the arm, but he shoots the arrow with such force that it tears his arms off, like, at the elbow. Like, both of them. And pins them to a tree. I was like, oh! That guy just got fucked. Yeah. Um... But yeah, it needs to be said, um, his his cursed arm, like it spazzes out and bulges and apparently gives him superhuman strength. Uh, so when he shoots arrows, he shoots the fuck out of those arrows. And holy shit, the, the sound uh, of the arrows whizzing through the air and the animation applied to them is really fucking good. The sound in particular is just stunning. Um, it has this amazing whistle and it has velocity to it that's like it's pretty foreign to see done so well um but yeah he he saves an old woman and uh kills a kills the fuck out of a couple dudes <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. and then he he shows up at a city of some sort or a town or a large town um and this is where we get introduced to the character of jigo uh he's a squat like frog-faced monk guy uh, who like like i had mentioned at the top of the broadcast was voiced by billy bob thornton uh quite well Mm. in the english dub for the film um but yeah uh ash is trying to buy some shit but uh his currency like i guess the currency they use in in his village is a lump of fucking gold and the monk immediately notices that um the woman the woman that ash is trying to buy shit from actually doesn't take it but the monk Jigo is just like, oh, I'm going to keep this kid around. <laughs> Do you remember Beverly Hills Ninja when he goes into the hotel and he's like, uh, I'd like to I'd like to get a room. And he's like, well, fortunately, unfortunately, we don't take wampum. <laughs> he's just being a dick to him. <laughs> and he's like, "Do you perhaps take gold?" And he drops like a shit ton of gold coins, like way more than he needs for a room. Uh, so I was, this kind of reminded me of that because he hands her this gold and she's like, what the fuck? I don't take this. And gross dude's like, dude, this is gold. I'll take it <laughs> off your hands. It's going to cost you. Know. He's being like, well, immediately I'm like, okay, this guy's sketch. Well, it also brings to mind uh, Wayne's World when he buys the guitar. Dukes of cash? Dukes of cash. <laughs> Cha-ching. <laughs> um, Kyle, have you ever heard of uh, Little Nemo? I've heard of finding him. No, <laughs> no. Little Nemo um, was it was this newspaper comic. Uh, I think it was like a news strip. It was by a fellow by the name of Windsor McKay. Um, it was in like the 1900s, so this is old shit. Yeah. Uh, really, really well rendered, but um, basically, uh, there was a animated film of it that I watched a lot when I was a when I was a kid. 
And uh, one of the central characters to the Little Nemo story is this this little clown by the name of uh, Flip. Uh, <laughs> if I remember right, he was vis- he was voiced by Mickey Rooney. <laughs> Did you hit um, your head and forgot that you watched Finding Nemo because literally they're clownfish? Well, <laughs> the one kid's got a bad the one kid's got a bad flipper. That's like the whole thing. Okay, maybe there's some similarities that I hadn't considered. <laughs> some overlap with somebody named Dory in there, too? Uh, potentially. I mean, that does sound like a, a 1900s name. <laughs> they, find her, they find her later, if you were wondering. That's fine. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know anyone who's seen that. I actually Finding own Nemo. it. Oh, really? Finding Nemo is a big deal, and I have a, I have a girlfriend, so we just we have it. We have Finding Dory. <laughs> That's sweet. Um, is it is it good? Like, does I remember liking it. I one? I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it more than once. The first time I watched it, I'm like, yeah, it was fine. It was good. I mean, if you liked Finding Nemo, you'd probably like Finding Dory too. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I I mean, I'd probably like it then because I, I really liked Little uh, Finding Nemo. <laughs> Little yeah. Nemo. Um, Everybody did. But yeah, I just wanted to th- I just wanted to throw out there because I was just curious if you'd seen Little Nemo because um. It it has a, a mixed reputation. I think it was actually animated by a Japanese studio, um, but it was produced for an international audience. Um, uh, but yeah, the character of Flip is immediately who came to mind um, in reference to Jigo. Um, he has a very similar relationship to Ash as a Flip has to Nemo, where he's he's just this little clown fucker that is always he's like the the little devil that sits on his shoulder. He's the guy mm-hmm. that gets him into into trouble all the time, and it makes for good storytelling in Little Nemo. But in this case, um, they didn't really do that because, like you had said, Ash has way too much integrity and never, never, ever fucking bites for what Jigo's trying to serve up to him. Uh, so again, it, it leads to a complete and total lack of tension from a character standpoint, <laughs> which is something I hadn't considered. But you're entirely right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they uh, they buddy up. Um, Jigo notes that some cutthroats are like tailing them as they're exiting the city, and they happen to see the gold that Ash was throwing around town. So he's like, ah, "We should probably take off." So they take off running. They take they put up camp, uh, and they eat some porridge at night, uh, some rice porridge. And we have an interesting conversation here where Jigo, who by the way I don't think has a name until about the 90-minute mark of this movie. Uh, so at this point, he's just Monk. Um, he's he's very, like, intensely nihilistic. Like, his belief is, you know, pretty much, like, most people are bad, everything's... The only thing that is sure is that everyone's going to end up dead at some point, so what we do in between maybe isn't that important. He does seem to really like his porridge. So. <laughs> but yeah, he has a choice quote here where everybody dies... Some, some now, some later. Uh, so right up front, we know his attitude is maybe a little different from Ash, who seems like forever optimistic and hopeful to some extent. Um, and Ash shows him the iron ball that the old woman had given him, and uh, the monk immediately recognizes it as something. Uh, at this point, I guess the audience, we don't really know that it's a bullet. Only I knew it was a bullet, apparently. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, he says, he tells Ash, like, there's this mountain village head off to it um by the way there's this crazy forest uh where all the animals are giant like they used to be in ancient times he mentions this very casually by the way 
Um, so he basically says it's going to be a, a rough journey if you go there, but this village in the mountains probably has some answers for you. So we have a new destination. And uh, in the morning, Ash ditches Jigo. Uh, however, Jigo sees him take off and is like, yeah, I'll catch up to you later. Wink, wink. <laughs> um, and then we get to the a, a caravan. It's it's raining in what looks like a burned out forest. Like it looks like it was either burned down or like maybe had a natural wildfire or something. And we're introduced to a couple of really important characters here. Uh, Lady Eboshi, uh, who I think, as I mentioned, was voiced by Minnie Driver uh, in the English dub quite well, in fact. And then her bodyguard Gonza, who is <laughs> I couldn't help but think of Tatsu from ninja turtles <laughs> that's exactly who i was thinking of too that's exactly who i had in mind mm. he's he, yeah yeah ninja vanish <laughs> yeah. and every other line is just grunt. never lower your eyes to an enemy yeah. <laughs> and then the rest of his lines consist of uh, punching children yeah, he beat the shit out of some kids yeah yeah he's good at it he's a child army like chang in community <laughs> Hang on, what? <laughs> you need to watch that show. It's just you, you need to you need to do it. Kim Kim Jong or like Ken Jong has a has a child arm. Yeah, he goes. He's crazy in the show, but he goes crazier and uh, recruits a child army. I do need to see this show. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, would you mind walking us through this scene here? This is where the the wolves show up for the first time in the movie. And yeah, I had some, they're 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 coming after Lady Eboshi. I had some question marks, and I was like, "Okay, what the fuck is happening now?" Uh, <laughs> so, uh, there's some wolves, and and uh, there's a person on one of the wolves, and they're basically running across the mountain, going directly for this car- caravan. Oh, what caravan? They're going for the caravan. Uh, <laughs> snatch. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So they have fucking guns, and I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, they're cannons. It's just like it's just like a musket, more or less. Like it's the same mm-hmm. idea. Um, they're like, we gotta shoot at them. They're wolf gods. I'm like, wait, what? They're wolf gods? <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, man. Uh, so this big wolf just starts blasting through the caravan, knocks some people off a mountain, and uh, they end up shooting. A, they end up shooting the wolf, and the wolf ends up falling off. And they're like, oh, cool, we got him. And, uh, the leader's like, no, 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 no. It's a, it's a wolf god. That's they'll be back. Like that's that's not enough to that's not enough to kill him. Um, but yeah, uh, what's his face? Uh, Ash ends up uh, coming across some of the people that fell off the mountain, and uh, he ends up helping them out. Yeah, uh, Ash scoops some people out of a like it's a waterfall slash river, and uh, as he's pulling them out of the water, though uh, he's. He happens to witness uh, the wolf god, uh, whose name is Moro, by the way, uh, voiced by Gillian Anderson in the English dub. And um, fun fact, uh, voiced by a man um, in the Japanese version, uh, hmm. a man with kind of a asexual voice. Um, there are, I think there are voice actors that's actually known to do that. Um, doubles as an old woman, despite being an old man. <laughs> um, it's like a Japanese tradition that... Uh, uh, wolves are wolves all have male voices even if they're female it's a it's a thing <laughs> um but it's it's one of the more divisive choices it's like from a cultural standpoint like even i kind of furrowed my brow at that it was like this sounds weird because i'm used i saw this movie originally dubbed 
and uh, Gillian Anderson does a very good job. Um, she has a viciousness in her voice that's uh, appropriate. Um, some of the dialogue the wolves have in this movie are it's it's written very well because it sounds it sounds like the mentality of a carnivore or like a predator mm-hmm. as a, as opposed to a human. Uh, so it's kind of like condescending and and arrogant and just vicious. Um, but yeah, uh, we see a woman uh, dressed in like some sort of animal pelt, uh, earrings, fancy necklace, face paint up the ass, and she's sucking blood out of out of the wolf god's uh, neck wound uh, where they were shot. That's pretty fucking she, gross. It's pretty fucking gross. Pretty and fucking by the way, gross. this wolf this wolf god is like like the size of Bruce the shark. Like, like he's fucking it's like huge. a twenty. Yeah, it's like a twenty-five. It's a foot dire wolf. wolf. Like it's it's the things from uh the, from Twilight, the Twilight movies, the big wolves. Or, no, it, it's that those are the cubs or, or the pups, like the wolf oh god, yeah, they're way, yeah considerably more. <laughs> yeah, the wolf god is about the size of an elephant. It's huge. Yeah, it, it's gigantic. But um, she turns around this gal and she shoots Ash a look, like not a friendly look. <laughs> no. Um. He doesn't seem to pick up on what she's laying down, though. Um, but hey, you're hot. What is I this mean, place? He does that. He's yeah. like, hey, <laughs> my name's Ash. Want to be friends over here? <laughs> C3PO in Episode Four. <laughs> yeah, those Jawas don't want to be your friend. <laughs> Fuck. Hey, idiot! Sound travels across water. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah, he tries to get he tries to get her attention. She does not give a fuck. Um, and then he heads back to the survivors, and we get introduced uh, to the I guess they're like the mascot of this film, the Kodama. I like the Kodama. Um, they're creepy. They're little. Yeah. They're called tree spirits. They look like little ghost aliens, and they don't talk. They make this clicking noise, uh, and they just kind of move their heads, and their heads kind of they don't I don't think they spin. They just kind of shake back and forth. They're kind of like. Uh, those little things from the Mummy Returns, if you remember. When oh they, fuck! Those little the little thingies. <laughs> the little pygmy uh, ca- mummies. Yeah, the little pygmy mummies. Man, I gotta watch Coraline. That these are what made me want to watch Coraline because they they don't really fit into this movie. Um, they look like they would be in something else. They look just like little ghosts, and I I really like these little things. I wish they had more to do in the movie. They're just kind of there. They don't really do anything. Okay, so yeah, the the Kodama they they do this thing with their head where they like tilt it to one side, and it's almost like a like a spring or a ratchet or something where their head snaps back the other direction. It it just kind of like rattles. It's really cute, and it needs to be said they they don't have like strictly human anatomy, but they do have butts. Like they have butt cheeks. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> they're loving they're lovingly rendered. <laughs> um, but yeah, they they're body shape is like that of a baby or something and there's tons of them they're all over the place and they're they're so fucking cute some people think they're really creepy um i think they're cute they're creepy um <laughs> but but both um ash notes that uh the fact that there's a lot of them here means that this forest is is healthy uh, so he's excited to see them whereas the survivors he's he's pulling along uh, the one guy is basically unconscious, and the other one is just babbling up a storm, and he's freaking out. Like, he's he's terrified about being in this forest in particular. Um, he does mention that he saw an enormous deer creature. Put a pin in that. Um, Ash also says, though, that uh, Yakul isn't scared, so basically I'm not going to be because I trust, I trust my mount. 
and uh, they trek through the woods. The Kodama are kind of like escorting them. Um, <laughs> Ash knows that he doesn't actually know if they're leading him anywhere in particular, but he's choosing to follow them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we come into this like gorgeous mossy forest clearing. Uh, man, the way it's rendered is beautiful. And by the way, um, uh, one of Miyazaki's earlier films, uh, Naushika, uh, Kaze no Tani no Naushika, the Naushika of the Valley of the Wind. Um, it's like a sci-fi story involving a, a toxic earth and uh, like the, imp- the entire planet is covered in like toxic gas and there's giant bugs everywhere. You might like it, Kyle. <laughs> it's like Mad Max with giant bugs, kind of. Mm. Um, some of the forest imagery makes me think of that, so it was an earlier film in his filmography. Um, but we come to this mossy clearing, and uh, Ash sees some giant wolf tracks, um, which doesn't make him nervous, curiously enough. <laughs> um, and then he sees uh, some <laughs> something that I wrote in my notes as a dinosaur tracks, because it looked like what what a, like a little kid would do at the beach when they're like pretending there's like dinosaurs walking in the sand. Yeah, it's just like. It's just like a crescent moon bottom with like three toes. And it looks child. <laughs> and there's this one shot in here that I, I this is the first time I ever noticed it, but it's, it's like a, a pan from left to right. And it is long. Like it is so long. It's many, many seconds long. And this is something you wouldn't think about if you're making like a live action film because it's just you're turning the camera. In animated film, that that means that the background painting had to be that long somebody had to render this image probably on a gigantic canvas or something uh, so from a technical standpoint that's like fuck dude <laughs> like someone chose to make someone do that <laughs> some asshole made someone paint that <laughs> and then we get our first glimpse of the the quote-unquote spirit of the forest um it's from a great distance but there's like golden backlighting and we see a bunch of deer and then a really big fucking deer with gigantic horns or antlers um and when he sees it uh ash's arm freaks the fuck out yeah his arm starts wiggling yeah so he sticks it in the water and kind of waits it out and nothing really comes of it Mm -mm. Um, but then we we get out of the woods and uh we come across uh the fortress slash town um it's a tatara or we can just call it Iron Town. Uh, yeah, let's call it Iron Town. Uh, and Iron Town is one of the central, like, more significant locations in the movie. Um, so you want to describe what it looks like, Kyle? Uh, it's at the base of a mountain, uh, right on a lake. Uh, it looks like something out of Braveheart, basically. It's got the <laughs> the big logs with spikes on them. Um, and it's got like a long, it's got a long driveway to get up there. Uh, <laughs> it's a probably a nice little place to live. Probably very scenic. Yeah, from a distance, it looks it looks very inviting. From the inside, it looks like oh, maybe a little industrial. Mm-hmm. But as we'll see in a bit, the the populace is is pretty ha- pretty happy with the arrangement. Yeah. Uh, so they're coming down the hill towards the town, and it looks like it's. Like security is is of prime concern. Like like you said, there are there are log spikes sticking out all over the base of the the village. Uh, they have a single entry point. It's like a essentially a drawbridge, and there are like guard towers posted. So we can tell that this place is well guarded. Um, but uh, Koroku, the uh, 
the ox driver who uh, who Ash had saved starts calling out to the, to the populace, and they think the whole town basically comes out to greet them. And uh, it needs to be said here, uh, Yakul uh, drying himself is absolutely adorable. Um, it's this red elk coming out of the water and just like shaking himself off like a dog. And the way it's animated is just like, holy shit, that's charming as all hell. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then we get to meet uh, Kodoku's wife, and she is, she's, she's not like swearing up a storm, like she doesn't have like sailor mouth or anything, but like she is not your typical Japanese woman. <laughs> like she immediately comes down and starts taking the piss out of everyone. <laughs> yeah. Like she shits all over her husband. She shits on Gonza slash Tatsu. She's like. <laughs> she uh yeah she is empowered and then some yeah <laughs> she flirts with <laughs> she flirts with ash I'm like, this doesn't seem realistic because i don't think women were empowered i mean women weren't quote, quote, women didn't have the right to vote in this country uh until like what the the teens 20s it was 60 years after slavery was abolished i think it was the 1920s as women had the right to vote and that was america mm. and I, from what mm. i understand of japanese culture is that uh, women have had lesser rights for a long time especially during this time so i saw this oh, yeah so <laughs> when i saw this i'm like huh okay she's mouthy uh kind of, kind of <laughs> operation they running around here uh, this doesn't seem. This doesn't seem like a canon. <laughs> like this is a Japanese canon. This wasn't happening. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's very unusual, but it's another uh, it's another theme across many of Miyazaki's movies. Um, most of his films uh, are headed up by female protagonists. Um, I wouldn't say that they're like typically like spunky or or like precocious or you know this kind of character. But uh, female representation in his movies is is definitely a thing. Like he, he, it's very common for him to have very prominent figures be female characters in his stories. If you haven't um, had this, your... this character is like really small, but it's it's impactful. It's like a little Jada Pinkett Smith. That's what I was thinking. I think she was literally voiced by Jada Pinkett Smith. That's, I could totally see it. Uh, she seems like a handful. Uh, no, I'm I'm serious. I, I'm almost a hundred percent certain it was actually her voice in the in the dub. I believe you. Like I could totally. I mean, that's perfect <laughs> casting. That's exactly who. That's who I was thinking of when I saw this. I'm like, that's Jada Pika Smith right there. Real life, <laughs> not even her acting. I'm like, that's just that's just her. That's some shit she would say to oh. Will Smith. Um, no, like I said, the 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 casting choices and the performances in the dub were actually quite good. And yeah, I agree with you that that was a good choice. If you want your jaw to drop, you should start watching Mad Men because there's some stuff in there where you're like, what? Jeez. Wow. Can you say that even in a show? My God. Uh, but yeah, don't we, uh, so she's, she's chewing out, making fun. She's humiliating her husband just a little bit, you know, uh, well, yeah, and she's flirting with the guy who just saved her husband. Yeah, <laughs> these ladies are. Yeah, these women are in power. They're like, yeah, I'm married, but I'm gonna flirt with this new kid. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the uh, we le- do we meet Lady Ibot? E- e- how do you say? Iboshi. Eboshi. Eboshi. Yeah. I'm Lady Eboshi. Yeah, she, she shows up. A man's mini driver. You can you can voice her any way you want. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to. Um, yeah, she she shows up, and uh, immediately is like gracious to everyone present. Like you can tell, she is a 
she is the authority figure here. Like, she directs traffic the moment she shows up. But she's very polite and very gracious um, to Ash and, like, thankful for him bringing back her uh, ox driver and uh, that other guy who I don't even think gets a name, but he's unconscious most of the time we see him. Um, she arranges to uh, to meet with Ash later in the evening or something. Um, and we get a, a brief montage here of the, the town kind of, like, closing up shop. So they retract the drawbridge. And we see that, like, rice flows freely here like everyone's prosperous um attitude is generally very upbeat um they're doing well iron town is kicking ass seems like they're a well-oiled machine (laughs) everybody's got their roles and their positions and there doesn't seem to be really any complaining uh yeah it's just a well just a well-oiled oiled machine that they've got going yeah it's a small it's a small village but like you said, everybody has their place and everybody seems to be at peace with that. So it's, they're doing very well. Um, and then we cut to the dining hall and uh, Ash is hanging out with all the dudes. So they may have like separate dining arrangements or something because it seems to be mm-hmm. all dudes in there. But all the ladies are crowding around the, the entryway and they're they're all checking out Ash. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cute. It's funny. But Ash, why don't you um, pop that shirt off, young boy? Ooh! sexy. I mean, yeah, no joke. That's basically what they're, they're doing. Cat they are catcalling a dude. Yeah, they, they don't give a fuck. <laughs> in feudal Japan. <laughs> in front of their husbands, mind you. Like, they're, although all their yes. partners and husbands are just right there eating with him, and they're like, <laughs> you hot as fuck! Like, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, it's funny, some of the dialogue that gets tossed back and forth between the men and the women, like, so the men are like, hey, we, we risked our lives for this rice, which we saw earlier um, when, when the caravan was attacked by the, the wolves. Um, so that would be what the, the men were doing. But then the women retort with, hey, we work, we work the bellows. We work the, the foundry all day. Like, we're, we're what make the town run. So like you had said, everybody, man and woman, has a place here. Um, and the, <laughs> the men are kind of bitchy here. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Because <laughs> they're like, ah, they, like Lady Eboshi spoils them. That's why they're all fucking mouthy. <laughs> 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 but an important detail here, though, is that uh, the men mention that, and it's confirmed later on, it's not just the men bitching. Um, it's confirmed later that um, Eboshi brought in ladies from brothels uh, to work at Irontown. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she basically said, "Hey, you want instead of turning tricks all day, <laughs> maybe come work the bellows." I I and don't know also, how, how I feel about this. She's like, "Yeah, they were they were in the brothels. They they shouldn't have been in there. I got them over here doing around the clock four hour day manual labor." And they're like, "Oh, it's so much better than being in the brothels." I'm like, "Really? I mean, say what you will say what you will about the profession itself." I'm like. Seems less labor intensive. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, it just seemed like, uh, like oh, this is a better deal here. I'm like, okay, I suppose so. But it seems like you got to work quite a bit. Well, yeah. I mean, your your knees will give out after what a decade or eight years or whatever. <laughs> I mean, because well, what they what they're doing, I've never seen anything like this before. Like, it, uh, the best I can think of it is is like. Remember in year one where he has to do the mud pits and the the guy's sitting there next to him. He's like, God, I love being outside. He's <laughs> just up there doing, <laughs> doing the mud pit. And it's just like, it's tiring work. And they do it in the Ten Commandments as well. Like Moses goes out there and starts working in the mud pits. And then like 
after a day, he's just like fucking dead. And then like whipping him, like, keep going, dude. Like, you're not done. We don't have that power dynamic here, but it does seem like it is very exhausting work. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm not sure in real life, like if this would actually be preferable. Um, it seems like it would kick your ass in short yeah. order. <laughs> um, so but yeah, I mean, maybe, but, maybe as opposed, <laughs> it's debatable, but you know, I, I guess. Well, the thing is, is like they just have to keep doing this, and they're guaranteed to eat. Like other people have other jobs. Like we just got to do this, and we'll eat, and you don't have to deal with people that. I mean, the guys that go into brothels at this time in in uh, in world history, which were probably not great people. Uh, well, yeah, not. I mean, it's not just those kind of people. It's also a period in the in the I'm, country's history where they were at constant war, and yeah. you know, you had people from all parts of the country that are just there to kill people and are tired and, and have a lot of shit they need to get out of their system, and they may take it out on you. You don't want no part of that. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's also mentioned here that uh, Lady Eboshi has no fear of the gods. Uh, no. So those those she, spirit creatures that... Oh, I was going to say she doesn't like them. She, it's not that she's not afraid of them. She, she does, she's not afraid of them, but she also actively dislikes them and is trying to kill them, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. And uh, at this point, we we get told a little bit of story, and we actually get to see um, some like after the fact footage of how it went down. Um, but some of the guys are telling telling Ash that uh, Nago, the the boar guard, the boar god, um, who he had sh- killed, um, Eboshi had shot him with a with a bullet with one of those with one of those cannons slash rifles. Um, and the reason why the boar needed to be shot was that uh, there's iron like in the mountain near near the town or under the under the town uh, that they've been trying to mine. However, the territory was kind of claimed by by Nago and the other boars, uh, which brought them into conflict with each other. And initially, we see that the boars just like fuck up these villagers, um, but then Lady Eboshi shows up with her her guns and kicks the shit out of him uh so nago apparently fled from that battle and uh came to uh came to ash's territory um and then yeah we get to see that uh, the boars were thoroughly defeated there's a good good bit of visual storytelling here where we get a shot of ash's face like superimposed over the reenactment um and his his facial expression kind of tells us that yeah he doesn't really approve of what she did um, killing all the boars, that is. Um, and then uh, Iboshi gets her audience with Ash. And <laughs> she's doing, like, accounting or something. She's doing something very modern for the time. Something very, very, very human, which is kind of essential to her character. She's a modernist. Like, I mean, f- fuck, she's a, she's a an armed she's woman a capitalist. in power that, that's, that's <laughs> employing women workers and stuff. She's not a person of her time. Um so she's pretty much as far like ideologically from Ash as possible, which is which is good. Yeah, no, she's making from a storytelling standpoint. She's capitalist, but she's exploiting people uh, who are in less than stellar situations in life, and she's profiting from them because she's got 
ladies, undesirables, ladies who worked in brothels. She's got lepers making guns. She's like, oh yeah, nobody would take us in, but she took us in. Oh, she also makes us work all fucking day, and then she uh, she treats us to alcohol. I'm like, that's what they did to little kids in uh, <laughs> little kids in workhouses in 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 uh, Britain. <laughs> like, yeah, go work for fucking fourteen hours with your little fingers, and then they'd give them liquor to go to sleep. I'm like, I'm not. Yeah. She's not that great of a person. She's she's fine. I get what she's doing. No, I I think she's the most interesting character in the story. Um, sadly, the the character aspect of the story is not not its strong point. Um, the the atmosphere and the themes I think are the are the strong points. And and some of the animal characters, I like the way they're written. But in terms of like memorable characterizations, I think she's really maybe the only one. Even the titular Princess Mononoke is—I I didn't get much out of her, to be honest. She's ill-defined. In fact, I'm—I'm still kind of—I'm still kind of confused as to why it's called, like, why it's named after her, because she's not even the main character, if you ask me. I think Ash is. Um, but yeah, Lady Eboshi is an interesting character because you're right; she's m- probably eighty to ninety percent a bad person. Yeah. But she, like, what she's doing is kind of amazing like her ambition is admirable Mm -hmm. um but yeah she and uh ash have a conversation and uh he cuts immediately to the chase uh, presumably because uh he knows of he knows that she's responsible uh for sending the boar to his town basically well not sending but like kicking his ass and causing him to run over there um and he pulls out his arm and he pulls out the iron ball and he's like, Hey, uh, this is what came of your, your dirty work. And, uh, she straight up laughs at him. <laughs> and it's pretty fucking great. Cause, um, he actually has this line that I think is maybe the cheesiest line in the whole movie, probably in Japanese and English. Um, she's like, what do you want? Like, I know you have this curse, but what do you actually want? And he says to see with eyes unclouded by hate. Yeah, nerd. It's like, what? Did you just say? <laughs> what? <laughs> Did you just fucking say that? <laughs> that sounds like something Nick Cage would say. Like something he would ad lib. Yeah, uh, to to see with eyes on uh, unclouded by hate. Unclouded by hate. It sounds like something from the national. That's something he would say in National hey, Treasure. Uh, hey, 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 Tim, Tim. <laughs> I, I I think the 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 key to Superman is uh to to see with eyes uh unclouded by hate. <laughs> uh yeah uh yeah uh, yeah, yeah Nick I think uh, yeah, I think that's yeah, something I, I don't know I think Nick that's, uh... that's just great that's Nick that that's just great man <laughs> like, fucking Tim didn't have the he didn't have it in him to reel him back <laughs> but yeah she she responds to this by letting out just this this. Kind of laugh. It's pretty great. Is that um, a mini driver, driver laugh? <laughs> I, both voice actresses do that, and it's it's pretty great. The animation on her face. Um, I like that they gave her like, they like made her up, because like, characters with makeup don't really exist in Miyazaki movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he he draws people the way I do, meaning they have no lips. <laughs> so it's it's actually it separates her from the rest of the character models it's like oh she has very prominent red lips and when she laughs her whole face opens up it's pretty great um 
but she pulls him into her like her hidey hole her bat cave basically and uh like you had said uh, she has some lepers working in like a a back room through the garden uh building actual like actual rifles not not just like these mus this bullshit musket shit that we used earlier in the movie but like actual fucking rifles i mean they're still still operated via a fuse like a um not even a matchlock rifle um the rendering of it is based on something called a tanegashima that's like an early japanese rifle that uh, has this shape to it where you hold it almost like you would hold a modern bazooka <laughs> it looks fucking awesome <laughs> but yeah she uh her ambitions at this point know no bounds and she's like her chief concern at this point is further empowering the women by making the rifles lighter uh so that an average woman can handle them because uh by the way she's about a head taller than most of the other women in this in this film yeah she's tall she's she big lady <laughs> um japanese gina yeah. davis yeah <laughs> yeah a little bit <laughs> um and while while we're in this back room here uh she shows us that yeah she has a, a workshop full of lepers so undesirables as you had said um working for her and she's boozing them up they all seem pretty happy about it, very happy about it, in fact and uh ash's arm spazzes the fuck out and like draws his sword like, like his arm wants this bitch to wants this bitch dead <laughs> um but he resists and she doesn't even bat an eye at it like you can tell she's like she's ready to throw if it needs to if it comes to that um but before any moves can be made um this this old leper that's laying under a straw mat like looks looks like they're terminal or something like they're not doing well um they kind of verbalize a desire for them to stop going at it and uh, they say life is suffering we're all cursed and yet somehow we find reasons to keep living um, which I guess is supposed to be a major theme in the story, though it's a little bit hazy as we go forward. Um, and then Ibo, she continues to talk to Ash. <laughs> she very casually, she very casually shoots at some apes. Uh, by the way, on a mountainside, they're planting some trees, <laughs> and she wants to. She wants Ash to join her so she can kill the spirit of the forest and liberate it. Is the way she phrases it. Um, this is the first mention in the script of a the character of princess mononoke and somehow apparently there's some sort of prophecy involving this character that like if i if i kill her well she's supposed to try to kill me and if i kill her somehow that'll that'll get me ownership of the forest or something uh, the wolves stole her soul and now for some reason she got beef with me um and ash and then ash heads to the the bellows he heads to the ironworks and uh, we get a cute scene here he's working with the ladies yeah, and he's um, super duper strong. I don't know if this is just from him being strong or if it's from the thing on his arm, but he's like, he jumps on the line and is pushing this thing down with his feet, and they're like, oh, he's so crazy. He can he can fucking push it really hard, and they're like, you're not gonna be able to keep up like that all night, bitch. Like it's it's this is hard work, and I don't know if he does. Uh, but uh, meanwhile, there is a sneak attack coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the titular Princess Mononoke is riding on Wolfback and storms Wolfback. the town. <laughs> Wolfback. That's funny. Wolfback. <laughs> She's riding on Wolfback. She's not, this is what you hear. Pretty casually. Yeah, pretty casual. And uh, it, uh, it like wombo combos her over the wall, and she she infiltrates the town, 
maybe not all that stealthily because everyone sees her coming and I think maybe that's the point but she's wearing this uh, clay mask of some sort uh, with complete with ears <laughs> she got a little dagger and she's running around causing all sorts of chaos a bunch of people in the town are shooting at her uh, Ash sees her and is trying to intercept her oh, for some reason he has, an, he has an attachment to her that um, you know realistically speaking I don't know how you could form this kind of attachment when the only contact you've had with this person is well you said hi to her she shot you a look and then left I don't think she's into you bud (laughs) I think his loyalties probably lie more with her because he doesn't seem to agree with what's happening in this village Uh, neither do Mm -hmm. I Uh, as a a viewer I'm like I don't don't appreciate anything that's going on here and I think he's wise to it and he also is blaming her for what's happened so he's like well maybe Princess Mononoke is not so bad maybe we should try to you know what we should sit down and try to hash this all out try to figure out a better plan you know like Maybe we can just all get along and stuff. I think that's where he's coming from. Because he's a fucking loser. Um, he wants to see with eyes unclouded by hate, Kyle. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... But, go ahead. I was just going to say, so... Uh, the priority, and we get to see like the town like spring into action. So like, uh, this is another case of everyone in the town having a role. Like Everyone grabs a weapon everybody's set up to defend the town um but keeping the bellows going like keeping the the ironworks the fires lit and stoked is of prime concern um and then uh by the way princess mononoke's character like her actual name is san um which is largely what ash calls her i don't think princess mononoke has said more than three times in the movie um but yeah i eboshi uh calls out san and it's like, hey, bitch, you want to fight? Let's go. Um, but it needs to be said that she has uh, two two women with her. Uh, they're widows of people who were, uh, their husbands were apparently killed by the wolves or something. Uh, so she's got, she has like true, true reasons to hate San. Like she's got, she got beef with her. Whereas Princess Mononoke's uh, argument uh, seems to me be more just like, animalistic or like intrinsic on some level where it's like I don't actually have a distinct reason to hate you I just it's what I have to do um so San comes charging down um and then we get a very (laughs) very put a pin in it kind of moment here where uh San gets knocked down from a rooftop and uh Eboshi uh, says the line cut off a wolf's head and he still has the power to bite um like I said, put the largest of fucking pins in that. <laughs> um, San gets shot in the face, but the 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 mask she's wearing deflects the bullet. Um, and then she gets up from the ground and makes a beeline straight for Eboshi, and we get a little bit of a clash here. And it's it's very very brief, but it was very entertaining for me to see. Like it's very well animated. So basically, uh, Eboshi and San clash swords. And uh, did you happen to notice the way they animated Eboshi? Mm-mm. Well, I mean, the first move is that they, like, like San comes at her with a dagger. Uh, Eboshi, like, deflects it with a katana. And then she has, like, it's like a kunai, like a small dagger, but it, I think she, it comes out of, like, her hair. So it's, like, on the sly. Like, it's it's very, very uh, commodus from a gladiator kind of move. <laughs> it's, mm. <laughs> it's very slippery. Um, but, um, 
just the the couple of seconds we see of her and uh, San like circling each other, I, her body language is like intensely male, like she's super butch. Like it it it's really well rendered. Like it it looks cool because she has a she has a swagger to the way she moves and like, it's a it's not graceful, but it looks like this is a lady that can handle herself, and it's in stark contrast to Sun who's like crouched down and has like a animalistic demeanor about her. It's it's just a small touch that it always stood out to me because it it looks like straight out of like a traditional like samurai movie or something, but with two ladies, which is something you don't really see every day. <laughs> Um, but here's the the big moment where Ash uh, hulks out, and uh, he gets like the swirling demon aura around him, and uh, he intervenes, so he stops the fighting, and uh, he basically throws out there that there's there's demons in all of us, not just me, and this 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 demon aura that I have around me, this is what hatred looks like. It's gonna kill me soon. It's all kind of like kindergarten bullshit. <laughs> um, the point is, despite his his physical intervention, uh, both of the women still want to keep fighting. I think San like actually bites him on the arm, and Eboshi actually takes a swing at him uh, with with her little uh, hair hairpin dagger or whatever, and he <laughs> he just kind of knocks both of them unconscious. Yeah. He's like you fucking, <laughs> you're like god damn it. <laughs> He's like enough talk. I'm just gonna punch you. <laughs> yeah. And then he he takes off like a boss, like like he just walks out of the town and moves moves like a multi-ton gate by himself so his demon powers be strong yeah he get, um, he gets shot in the he's get, he gets shot in the torso somewhere uh mm-hmm. probably the liver i can't remember which side uh not a good place to be shot and he just still <laughs> he just still walks out uh walks out with her and they get to the uh they get to his little his little elk his little elk guy and uh mm-hmm. they end up meeting up with the wolves yeah, and they all take off together. The wolves are kind of like escorting him and him and his mount, and he has Son like riding on Yakul with him. And there's one shot in here, Kyle, that I don't know if you noticed it, but every time I've seen this movie, I always laugh at this shot. I don't think I'm intended to, but um, we're riding along this hillside at night, and uh, he succumbs to his injuries because he got shot through the torso, <laughs> and he just kind of falls off the back of Yakul. And immediately, one of the wolves just goes, ah, and screech, and does a 180 and runs up to him and bites him on top of the head oh. and just shakes his head like a fucking doll. Yeah, he looks like he's about to eat him, but doesn't the princess stop him? Or Yes, she stops him, but for like a second or two, he's just like, yeah. it's like, oh my god. It's not cool, bro. Just the way it's animated always makes me laugh. I don't think I'm supposed to laugh at that. <laughs> but yeah, she uh, she actually like threatens to stab him, like kill him, right right then and there. Uh, kind of weird that she just stopped him from being eaten and now wants to stab him. Um, and then he like calls her pretty, and that makes her go. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so nice. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is that very childish style of storytelling where it's like this. This character chemistry, this equation isn't adding up, but it's it's like it's a necessity. It's like we need these characters to get to these points, even though we didn't bother to write it properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We meet the apes too. The apes are pretty creepy. I liked. Oh, go yeah. for it. 
Uh, oh, I was just gonna say, yeah, the the apes when I was a kid. Well, I wasn't a kid. This came out in 1999. Um, yeah, they're creepy, unsettling. <laughs> yeah, it's because uh, they move like they, because apes move. They they they're very human like, but they still move in their own way, and they do a really good job of animating them. And they're just silhouettes. Like we don't really see any detail of them, uh, which makes them creepier. And they have red eyes, and they're like they want to eat ash. Um, mm-hmm. which is like kind of a power move. I know chimpanzees do that. I don't know. These guys actually look more like orangutans, the, the way they were uh, animated, but she calls them apes. Wait, are, is it like apes, are orangutans? Not all apes are orangutans, but all... Not all monkeys are apes. Yeah, is it like <laughs> something like that? Yeah, no, I, I forget how it worked. Not all, and then there's prosimians on top of that. I don't, I forget which classification each one is but yeah the script calls them apes um i mean they do have they have monkeys and stuff in japan they have apes but i don't think they have chimps um, which i always think of as like the meat-eating ape yeah they are they're they're the ones that that'll they'll eat another chip i don't know they don't know if it's for protein or it's just a power move but it seems like from this it sounds like a power move it's like we need it is we need to eat them we need to eat this human because they keep we keep trying to replant trees and they keep stopping us and they keep not letting us plant trees. I'm like I get it, I understand. There's, I feel like there is a very very clear um, environmental message in this movie that I just don't get. Like it's it just seems like it's very we got to stop cutting down trees. Uh, it's causing <laughs> problems within the animal kingdom and between humans. I feel like it's just like it's just kind of cut and dry. Well, I feel like it's a. I mean, I'm 100% American. I mean, my understanding of Japanese culture comes through a few f- filters, but I mean, I, I, I do my research. I, I learn what I can. I have relatives and stuff. But um, it's my understanding that the, the relationship between man and nature in Japanese culture uh, largely comes from like the country being kind of like environmentally volatile. You know, typhoon, tsunami, earthquake, they get a lot of that shit mm-hmm. and have gotten that shit a lot throughout history. And so it's it's humbling. And also, you know, Christianity didn't show up until way later. So, like, the animistic beliefs and, like, Buddhist and Shinto kind of stuff that's all about being in harmony with the world mm-hmm. as opposed to, like, your eternal reward and stuff like that. It You know, they don't have as much of a history with that. And so a lot of things <laughs> like man relating to nature it's it's humbling it's about it's about understanding that you are you are but a speck in the grand scheme of things and so like replanting the trees isn't so much the idea it's more just like stop stop taking more than you're giving Mm -hmm. i guess i get what you Um, mean and i do everything in in this story is a little bit hazy Um, there's a lot of storytelling that's happening off screen that's a little unfortunate i would have I would have appreciated more description, but then again, the movie's over two hours long, uh, which is very long for an animated feature. Um, but there is mention in the script, both here and later on with Okoto, where, uh, the, the blind boar, um, where there's mention of the animals growing stupid. And I think, I think my theory is that it's because the people don't believe in them anymore and they're being outmoded. So they're, there's, there's a reason they all die by the end of this movie. It's because man is replacing them with practicality and pragmatism and stuff like that, like hum- purely human concerns. And so, what the apes, 
what the apes are doing is I think it's a power play in the sense that they're trying to send a message by like you know eating a fucking man in front of other humans but at the same time it's also because they're they're losing themselves mm -hmm. they're no longer gods they're just like animals and son actually is critical of them she's like do you really think you're going to become more powerful by eating him and they acknowledge that like probably not but it seems like a good idea right now it's the way things <laughs> are going we're desperate we're, it's like we're kind of we're kind of losing this war um i'm open to suggestion so this was an interesting moment where it's like you can tell that the animals are not united and they're all on their heels and then we have people that We've we've just seen that they're they're building newer, better guns, and they already kicked our asses with their older, shittier, shittier guns. Yeah. So it's desperate times for the animal kingdom. You're implying and also that, that, that you're implying <laughs> you're you're implying that Buddhism precedes Christianity. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Never>. <laughs> oh, okay, buddy. By the way, it totally does. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, the, so the apes are desperate, and also they mentioned that the forest spirit will not fight. Mm. Um, so the, I guess the strongest god they have in the natural world um, is not going to help them. So the apes believe that, you know, we're kind of fucked. Uh, Princess or San, she takes, uh, she takes Ash back to the forest, and uh, she puts him in some water. Um, I guess we're going to try to heal his wounds, and she's kind of having some talk with the wolves a little bit. And I think even the wolves are kind of like, we should probably eat him you know like mm -hmm. looks pretty delicious they're actually pretty disappointed about it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of to the point where like you know once you turn your head i'm probably gonna eat this kid uh but they're they're all about <laughs> it but um we keep talking about the spirit of the forest and now um that little piece of shit with the with the red nose what's his face jigo jigo um he's uh he's kind of around here somewhere and uh we're being informed about the spirit of the forest, uh, who's doing like a tree beard thing, where he's like, this um, it almost seems alien. That's the best way that I can I can describe it. It kind of felt abyss ish, like if the abyss uh, when it's in the water, it takes like a, a large form. It kind of reminded me of something like that. Um, but the spirit of the forest is something that um, Minnie Driver. <laughs> Her, what, I can't think of the, Idoshi? Ed, Eboshi. Eboshi. Um, she's like, yeah, I need to destroy the spirit of the forest to, to release it for whatever reason. And I'm not really entirely sure what the spirit of the forest represents here. Um, maybe you have a little more insight into this. Well, I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's fitting that you use the word alien. Um, because that's, I mean, I can't help but think of that in in relation to like a benevolent god of some sort so it's 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 beyond it's beyond us so um it's it has a, a pretty grand entrance into the film um san brings him to that that mossy patch of forest uh, that we were in earlier um with the kodama and stuff because uh, it's her understanding that his wounds are so dire to the point that only the spirit of the forest can save him um and the spirit of the forest actually makes its entrance into the film in a different form, um, something that I don't actually remember the, uh, the Japanese word for it, but in the, in the English script, it's referred to as the Night Walker. Yeah, and it's this gigantic, like its its shins are yeah the the canopy, like the the tops of the trees are basically at like its shins or its knees. Yeah, so this thing is massive, and it's like 
translucent or semi-transparent. The inside of it looks like an amoeba, kind of. Mm-hmm. And its 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 head has what looks like like gooey antlers coming out of it, but it's not solid. It's it's gooey. It's like a giant blob creature. It's icky. A, yeah, it's it's icky. <laughs> but as a night transitions to day, it like dives into the forest, and it takes on a different form. And uh, the first shot we get of it is actually of its feet stepping into like stepping into the frame from a downward angle and we see that it has almost like bird-like feet uh and the body of a deer and the face of a strange looking red-faced man (laughs) 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 Um, but every step it takes um instantly causes the ground to like spring into intense growth like instantaneously like the vegetation just springs up and then instantly dies so this thing is its duality it's both the f- a great force of life and death. Um, I mean, it from a from an aesthetic standpoint, you can I guess infer that the Nightwalker represents death, whereas the spirit of the for- forest is more like growth and life. Well, but I think it course, just represents. You know, I like, think it repre- it's a cycle. I was know? gonna say it's the actual spirit of the forest. It's the cycle, and it's just as it walks, it's going through it like that. It's just like death, life, death, life, death, life. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it. Uh, I think that's that's primarily its representation is that it's largely impartial. Like I don't I don't have any explanation as to to why it would save him and no one else. Nor do I understand why it would save him but not remove his curse, only to do it later. <laughs> yeah right. Um, like, I guess maybe just like plot convenience. Um, maybe it's but like at the end of the day. Maybe it's like Constantine, where the devil like at the end. Like he's like the devil takes his lung cancer out basically, so he's like, oh no, you're gonna get a chance to to prove yourself. You're not going straight to heaven, and I'm not taking you to hell. I'm gonna give you a chance to actually earn this. So maybe it's something along those yeah. lines. Yeah, um, I think at the end of the day, though, um, we're not meant to understand a hundred percent what what it is or what its intentions are, because I don't know that it really has intentions. Um, it never speaks, unlike all the other gods in this movie. Um, so it's just this this strange thing, this strange presence with incredible power. But yeah, Jigo is watching, um, and the way he's introduced is actually kind of cute. Where it's, uh, I think one of his buddies, um, we see that the top of a bear's head like laying down on a log, and then it springs up, and it's just a dude wearing a bear suit, yeah. like, a, like Nick Cage in uh, The Wicker Man. <laughs> I was gonna say like Ben Stiller in Tropic Thunder, where he kills the panda. <laughs> Oh shit! Yeah, I forgot about that. That's that movie, man. It's great. I need to go back and rewatch it. Yeah. Somebody on somebody on Reddit or Twitter, something along those lines, they have a a, a shot of Robert Downey Jr. and Don Cheadle's character, I believe, from Iron Man Two, and they're both wearing the Iron Man suits, or maybe it's Iron Man Three. <laughs> I'm not sure. Because wasn't it um, Hustle and Flow? What's that guy's name? Uh, oh, Terrence Howard. Yeah, wasn't Terrence Howard that character, or is that a did he? Did they replace the actor, or is that like a different character? Because I feel like he was in that. No, film. they 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 replaced okay. the actor. Okay, that's what it was. I I didn't, um, I didn't want to be racist. Supposedly there, so. it was. Uh, supposedly he was asking for too much money. I can see that. Well, jeez, if he just would have been patient, if he just would have been patient, Terrence Howard, it was about to make all the money. Um, but somebody posted a picture of Robert Downey Jr. in the Iron Man suit, and then they took. 
they superimposed uh, Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr.'s character from Tropic Thunder onto onto the other Iron Man is one of the funniest things I've ever seen because it's Robert Downey Jr. of course in uh, in makeup from that movie. Uh, I don't know how it took us this long to someone did this long to put it together to piece that together, but it's a uh, you can find it. it's pretty funny. Um, yeah, you would you would think that would be a day one kind of thing. Yeah, when the Iron Man movie started to come out uh, easily. Oh uh, yeah, so um, yeah, the the spirit spare of the forest is uh, coming in. Um, sorry, we had a when I graduated, I graduated from a Jesuit school, so they had a prayer because it's you know Catholic. And this mm-hmm. girl got up there, and uh, she did this prayer, and I could not stop laughing because she had like this voice. She talked like this. <laughs> And she kept saying, spirit of this, spirit of that, dear spirit of this. So, oh no, dear spirit of spirit, thank you so much for having spirit with us when we were in school this year. I'll just, anytime I hear the word spirit, it just, that pops in my head. Dear spirit of the forest, thank you for saving my friend Ash. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, that's that's one of those words that I largely omit from my vocabulary because it does make me feel weird to say the word spirit yeah like i feel like i haven't earned that or something you'd be like, you'd be in the catholic <laughs> you need to be in the catholic church to say spirit because you have to you have to say it in the catholic church ah gotcha never done that but now you're fine um so yeah the spirit brings back <laughs> ash uh, he has a bit of a dream but he awakes and he's healed uh, it needs to be said here that jigo and his buddies note that uh there is a literal army of boars just, like, marching up the mountains. Um, ha- no, they're no. not from around here. Oh, I'll say, they're, they're not <laughs> running yet. You're right. They're just marching. I apologize. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're marching up the mountain, and uh, Jigo notes that they're not from around here. These bo- these, <laughs> these are foreign boars. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Okoto, this, uh, like, maybe albino, but he's, he's white, he's basically. He's old he's as gigan- fuck. He's huge. He's a gigantic ancient boar he looks awesome it's creepy but awesome but he is quite larger than nago was he is the biggest fucking boar you will ever see um okoto is probably like the one of the oldest of the old gods um and he is leading these boars and he's got some he's running some sort of campaign here um so put a pin in that that's going to be important later um but yeah ash wakes up and uh he's still really weak though um and we get a charming scene where uh he's he's too weak to eat so son has some like jerky and she chews it and uh, spits uh, it into uh, his uh, mouth uh, 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 yeah she like spits it back <laughs> up in his mouth yeah it's pretty yeah gross. it's it's like feeding a bird yeah um, i'm sure it's it's i'm sure it's gross it reminds me oh kyle have you seen the movie mafia with an exclamation point uh no the, it's the jay moore like oh um, no. no no it's it's like uh wrongfully accused or spy hard gotcha parody mob, with mob movies okay it's not bad hmm. <laughs> i mean it's right up there with wrongfully accused i think spy hard is my favorite um but uh there's a scene where uh jay moore's character uh gets blown up in a car bomb like uh robert de niro in casino mm-hmm. um only difference is he gets immolated and like all the skin gets burned off of him and he shows up at like a funeral i think and uh they do this close-up shot of like a nurse 
chewing a tangerine and putting it into his mouth (laughs) and like all the people at the funeral start puking because it's like this hideously burned man chewing a all like a pre-chewed tangerine (laughs) it's disgusting i don't know if parody movie i don't know if parody movies are funny i think it was just leslie nielsen was funny like we got to do all these different parody movies and like it i think it's just leslie nielsen he's just funny and he could he, he made those movies funny yeah, I need to I need to watch the uh, the TV series that preceded the Naked Gun movies. Um, was it something Police Files? I can't remember. Oh, the I'm name. not sure. Um, they had this running gag that is so fucking brilliant, where uh, the closing shot of every episode would be uh, it's it's a freeze frame moment, but they just have the actors stop moving. And then the credits roll, <laughs> so you can see them like kind of shaking a little bit. Is it Leslie? So brilliant. Is it Leslie Nielsen? It is. Le- oh, it is Leslie gosh. Nielsen. Okay. No, it, it was. I think like a sh- very sh- like short TV series, but I've heard it's pretty good. See, it was the subtle things. Do you remember? I don't, don't remember which one it is. I think it's one of the um, the Naked Gun movies where it's th- there's three of them, Leslie Nielsen and two other guys, and the two guys walk through the door. And Leslie Nielsen, because it's a set, walks in front of the door, like walks right in front of it. It's just no, it's just a little subtle thing. Th- those those are the things in those movies that I just adore. Yeah, like I love I love those small details. They're so great. And like what they had the thing with the phone gag, where it's like a giant phone or something, <laughs> or like it was it was something to do with like foreshortening, where just the camera angle had you believe that it's like oh like the phone's just like close to the camera it's like no it's, it's a, a giant, giant fucking camera. phone yeah. a giant phone <laughs> and, yeah um i've never seen a loaded weapon either and then what's the one with val kilmer um oh my god it's there's a, one with it's val a parody kilmer? of it's a parody of spy movies oh i've seen uh, top sp- secret i was gonna say spy hard i've seen spy hard that one's great no, it's it's called Top Secret, and I haven't seen it, but I've heard it's very good. It's got Val Kilmer and Leslie Nielsen. Weapon with Emilio Estevez. I haven't seen that either. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, sorry. put it, put Here. put that on your list. Yeah, I'll put him on you, there. Baby Val Kilmer in a in a parody movie. I'll look Apparently, he does some singing in it too. Oh, there's some singing um, coming up in this movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Moro, uh, the wolf god. Uh, arrives on the scene and then the boar Okoto and the boars show up too um, and uh, they (laughs) well no Okoto isn't with them I think but the boars show up and uh, just like the apes they want to kill Ash while he's defenseless and uh, the wolves actually kind of like back him up and are like hey 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 we we don't have to go there (laughs) but the boars are just like furious They, they want this man dead um and this is this is the point where we learn that Ash is alive, but his arm is still cursed. And then Okoto arrives, and it needs to be said, Keith David did his voice in the uh, in the American dub of this film, and he fucking knocked it out of the park. Um, I do actually maintain that his interpretation of this character is superior to the Japanese version. He does some things with his inflections and his his voice; they're just perfect. Um, but yeah, Okoto, this giant blind boar sniffs him and kind of like passes judgment immediately he's just like yeah you're okay but if you come back i'm gonna kill you (laughs) it's it's very interesting because like he 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 seems like a like a bane like character where he he says what he means and he he backs it up Mm -hmm. (laughs) so he's like 
if I see you again, you will die. Um, but today, for whatever reason, I'm going to keep you alive. And perhaps it's because the spirit of the forest saw fit to bring him back. Maybe that holds some meaning or something. It's like, well, you know, if if you know the big boss says you're okay, maybe you're okay. Um, but it needs to be said here that uh, Moro, the the wolf god, believes wholeheartedly that the boars do not stand a chance against the humans in a in a stand-up fight. Um, this is where that line of uh, "we've grown both small and stupid" uh, comes from Okoto in reference to his his boar clan that like my people are are dying even if they're not being killed like we're we're not w as great as we once were and uh basically okoto is a uh, committed to gambling on one last fight like uh every like everything that passes back and forth in this conversation between the wolves and the boars here indicates that the boars probably do not have a chance in winning this fight but uh okoto doesn't care he's stubborn um and then we cut back to iron town and uh there's a whole bunch of politicking that happens here. Do you remember much of that, Kyle? Yeah, there's some fighting going on, and uh, they're shooting the shit out of these nerds. And the um, uh, they kind of give up at one point, and they they go to um, the I forgot what the clan is. Whatever, whoever they're fighting comes up to the front door and is like, "Hey, listen, we want to talk to your uh, we want to talk to your boss." And she's like, "No, we're not letting you in. You can talk to us here." And um, it's like, all right, well, you've been fighting good today, but we want you to surrender, basically. And uh, one of the ladies just shoots at him. He's literally a messenger. She shoots mm. at the messenger. I thought somebody was going to say that, but nobody does. Um, yeah. It's kind of a Monty Python-esque. Yeah. The, was it the rude Frenchman or whatever? Yeah, <laughs> fart in your general direction. Um, exactly. <laughs> but she shoots at him. Um, I don't know what's what else is really happening here. Uh, the main thing that happens is Jigo... Uh, shows up at Irontown and uh, just kind of casually walks up to Lady Aboshi, who is transporting rice into the town, and says, "Hey, uh, I have this plan. Um, I actually have a." <laughs> He's so proud of himself. He ha he has an imperial pardon signed by the emperor himself, saying, "It's okay." If you take the spirit of the forest head, <laughs> so he has it in writing. He's yeah. got it in paper, man, and he's so proud of this. And uh, there's a cute moment here where he's he's basically trying to buddy up to Eboshi because he knows that she has the weapons and the and the manpower to do this, like to actually enact this plan. Because for whatever reason, they want to take the spirit of the forest head. Um, there's a line mentioned offhand by Eboshi that. Uh, the head will grant someone will will grant you immortality, so it's kind of kind of Indiana Jones esque, I guess. Um, it's ne it's never confirmed that this is true. Yeah, I was gonna it's say this is it's just rumor, I guess. This is but, fabrication. I don't think this is real. Yeah, but there's a really there's a really cute moment here where uh, he actually shows her the letter signed by the emperor. And she's <laughs> like, "Oh, that's nice," and then she unfolds it and shows it to one of the ladies that worked the iron. And she's like, oh, like, take a look at this. And she's like, Who, Emperor, who's that? <laughs> and you can see Jigo's face. He's just like, God damn it. <laughs> like, <laughs> nobody cares. See, nobody cares. See, nobody cares. Nice hat. Nice hat. <laughs> Don't get cheap on me, 
Jigo. <laughs> My buddy sent me a picture of him at the, we had a luau a couple years ago at our house in Seattle, and he was wearing a, a Hawaiian shirt and a straw hat and a t- picture with all the food. And like, what are you trying to look like a secret agent? Nobody got it. <laughs> you guys disappoint Aww. me. It was early Seattle time, so that's. Do so you need me like a hundred feet away behind a dozen people, th- like? Pointing one finger to the sky and be like, I understood that reference. Like the <laughs> alphabet backwards, I think I could probably quote Jurassic Park backwards. That's how many times I've seen it and how much I love it. Uh, Spielberg and Dome. Yeah, me too. Um, but yeah, so the yeah the boars and wolves talk. Uh, people fighting. <laughs> uh, that little piece of shit comes back. Uh, we get a song here after. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, I was it's, sitting... Yeah, the the I don't again, I'm not a musical expert, but Mm-mm. the uh the pitch or the tone is a little grating. Mm-hmm. It's a little it, yeah, it's a little too operatic, I guess. I would have appreciated something a, bit, a little more sweet. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's it's a vocal theme. Um it's again along the lines of like cutting down trees is bad. It's very Ferngully-esque, but yeah. it's basically a the Princess Mononoke theme, like both for the character and the movie. Um, we go to Pride Rock. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, the wolves' lair up in the mountains uh, undeniably looks a little bit like Pride Rock. <laughs> but Ash wakes up and uh, he steps out onto this, like, this, this rock escarpment of sorts. And uh, he and Moro, the wolf god, have a, a bit of a conversation here, and a lot of information trades hand here, but uh, to sum up, uh, Moro is in pain, because they still have a bullet in them, uh, as we saw happen much earlier in the film, and they want to kill Eboshi, um, and we learn the backstory of how San came to become part of the wolf clan, is that uh, Moro actually killed her parents, because they were trash in the forest, apparently, but for whatever reason, Moro decided to raise Son as her own. They threw Son <laughs> at the wolves. They they were just like, "Take our fucking baby. We're getting out of here." Yeah, um, and it's a there's a interesting line here where it may be a subtitle issue, but basically Moro uses the words both ugly and beautiful in the same breath in reference to Son, which you know from a wolf's perspective, I, I get it. It's like eh, ugly human. But my daughter. So yeah. <laughs> kind of like when you have but, an ugly kid. I get it. Yeah, you, you slip up every once in a while. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, they're so hideous, but I love them. <laughs> but yeah, um, from an ideological standpoint, it's really interesting to hear Moro, what Moro has to say. Um, because they're very... Uh, I'm trying to find the right word, but it's, it's like harsh, basically. Like every everything blunt. is in absolutes. Yeah, yeah blunt. just blunt. Yeah, very blunt, and it's uh, it's off-putting, but it I think it's well written. Like, cause again, when I think of like how a wolf thinks as opposed to a person, or you know, like a not quite wolf, but something with a wolf as a foundation, like it it seems to add up. I kind of like it. It reminds me, it oh. yeah, it just reminds me of Don Draper. Don Draper is just very blunt, very honest, very well. He's. <laughs> He speaks very honest. He's not exactly an honest person. Uh, he's absolutely, absolute opposite of an honest person. Um, well, let me ask you this: Could you think of Don Draper as a predator? Yes, Don Draper <laughs> there, is. There you go. <laughs> Don Draper is a predator, one hundred percent. 
Well, I mean, I think that bluntness comes from uh, both having a gigantic dick and knowing that. <laughs> His dick is an and Instagram look, page. <laughs> and then looking at looking at the, the the people and personalities around you as just that, like prey, basically. Like it's like I can tear you down anytime I want. I can't I can slap you with my dick. I can't. I think <laughs> I I might be able to understand why uh, the Walking Dead is such a big deal because from what I can understand. Breaking Bad is a fantastic show, and they did a, a fantastic job with character development, and the actors did an awesome job. I can't stress enough how awesome Mad Men is. It is so good. So, th- how good Mad Men is, and then because it's on the same network as The Walking Dead, I might actually watch The Walking Dead, just because of Mad Men. Well, give it a shot. I mean, it's, it's not it's not a waste of time unless you let it be. Yeah, that's right. All right, so anyway, so we got some singies. Uh, Ash is leaving. What does he tell him? Does he tell him, like, you gotta get the fuck out of here or something? Yeah, Monroe says, like, there's, there's, like, the, the main point to take away is Monroe actually is kind of defeatist, kind of nihilistic about things, where it's like, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. And it might just be from a personal standpoint because they know they're dying. Um, and I think they understand that things are coming to an end. Like their their role as gods in this world is coming to an end, mm-hmm. um, and they actually just tell Ash like, "There's nothing you can do, so I want you to leave at sunrise." Yeah. Um, and so it comes to morning. Ash and Yakul head out. Um, a, a wolf actually, like one of the pups, actually like escorts him down the mountain. Um, he tosses the crystal dagger to the wolf and says, "Hey, give this to my girlfriend." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I half expected him to do that, where it's like Moro is talking about like really heavy shit, and he's like, "So, uh, does Song <sighs> like me?" <laughs> See, the thing is, is he's even stronger than her, and that kind of pisses me off too. That he doesn't. There's not like a. He's stronger than her. He's stronger than what's her face, Eboshi. Eboshi, did I get it right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Mini driver. Uh, that would have been something else they could have done. Is like even though he has this superhuman arm thing going on, maybe she's stronger than him or wiser than him, and she's still kind of primal in the way that I mean, she's a human, but she still has like primal. Uh, she has a primal nature to her. You mentioned it when she was fighting, like her fighting style. Even um, and he's just like, yeah, can you tell this to her, please? I hope she's my girlfriend. But, well, I mean the major theme that i sensed with both of their characters is that they're they're both um day walkers yeah yeah <laughs> they're bo- well they're they're both people who have one foot in each world yeah where e- even him as a vi- as a villager from that particular village they live in harmony with nature around them she is a human who lives in the animal world but her fighting style yes it may be primal she has a dagger mm-hmm. she she uses human tools mm-hmm. she is a human even though she says multiple times in the movie, I hate all humans. It's like, well, you know, you might want to look in the mirror. <laughs> um, the sequence that's coming up, I, I actually, I kind of perked back up. Because during this part, like, after we leave the apes, I'm just kind of like, oh my gosh. All right, what's happening now? I kind of wasn't completely checked out, but I was like, okay. But this sequence, I, I kind of liked here. Um, yeah, the middle of this movie is very weak. I will... I'll grant you that for sure. When they start off, the movie starts off like with a bang, like we're getting right into it. Yeah. We're not, we're no, I, I love everything from the opening to Iron Town. Yeah. And then after Iron Town, I just kind of check out until the finale. So, yeah, so Ash is kind of moving his way out. And uh, 
I don't know if they see the smoke first or they pick up on the scent, but uh, there's something going on up on a mountaintop. Uh, mm-hmm. I was like, how the fuck did... I mean, now, I thought this was a completely different group of people, honestly. I was like, now, I thought actually it was his tribe, his his group. I'm like, how did his group come full circle back here? But it's uh, Idoshi's group, that that village. And they're um, mm-hmm. burning... He's like, it smells awful. Um, what are they burning? I didn't catch it actually. Well, they'll, they're, we're gonna burn something later, but um, yeah. Uh, when they're burning, they're trying to get, a, I guess, a rise, or they're trying to get the the boars to come in, and we get the this shot of like the boars in battle, like battle. I call them uh, battle boars, um, <laughs> just hauling ass, and it's kind of a cool like edit, like not editing, but animation, the way it's animated, because they're like having this conversation. Meanwhile, the boars are like running, they're getting their face paint on. It's kind of cool. Oh yeah, no, I I love that. That's a small detail that adds a lot because th- yeah, they're like dipping their snouts into mud and smearing it on each other, like they're getting they're getting ready to fight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the humans are are burning, burning something and cutting down trees. Um, and we see things from the wolves' perspective watching this, independent of the boars. And Moro explains to San that uh, the reason they're doing that is they're trying to not only kill the animal's sense of smell, but they're doing it to piss them off. Yeah. Uh, to, to make them blind to the fact that, yes, this is indeed a trap. And it's pretty obvious that Okoto and the, the boars, uh, you know, their their pride and, and stubbornness is not going to, not going to allow them to, to you know, call back the charge. So it's just going to be a blitz. That's, that's it. We're just going to run in there, hope for the best. Even though it's pretty obvious that they're, they're drawing us out. So from a strategic standpoint, it's very, very smart of the humans to do this. Uh, so San takes off and actually joins the boars uh, with Moro's uh, permission. And uh, Moro actually just kind of casually mentions that, like, so Ash really likes you, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then uh, San takes off and actually receives the crystal dagger from her uh, her, her wolf mount. And... Uh, Holy shit! Uh, there's some cool shots in here where Ash is a uh, Ash is like walking through a field. It's a low energy she- scene, but the way we're introduced to the scene is like shot of some rocks and then rain, like little rain droplets, mm-hmm. and the shading it on the rocks of, is just really, really beautiful. It reminded me of Saving Private Ryan when they yeah. when they're going into that town. Was it was it bath or pool? Um, the name of the town. Well, um, I can't. Remember. It's the one where Vin Diesel gets shot. Well, the name of the town I remember was like actually uh, made made reference to water. Like I think the town was actually named like Bath or like Pool or something like that. I anyway, can see that. Um, Ash and Yakul, uh, they hear some explosions in the distance, and uh, the mist lifts though, and they're clo- he's closer to the town, and he sees that it's under attack. So there's a feudal lord named Asano who was mentioned um, when Jigo met with Eboshi. And the big issue here is that Asano is now attacking the town because Eboshi took like most of the men and most of the fighters out of there to go after the spirit of the forest. So that's, you know, their defenses are down a bit. So we have multiple battles being waged at the same time here. Uh, the t- Iron Town is under attack, uh, and the Boers are fighting Iron Town and Jigo's men. Uh, which, by the way, I think we failed to mention, he has an entire troop of like monk soldiers mm-hmm. with him. Um, 
and yeah, Ash heads off towards the town. Uh, he he like jumps over a bunch of soldiers and just hops into the the water in the lake, and casually, very casually, by the way, uh, swats some arrows out of the air and heads to the town. And uh, he meets up with Jada Pinkett Smith, <laughs> and uh, she uh, exposits to him what's going on. And uh, pretty much the only reason he shows up here. Uh, from from a plot standpoint, is that uh, Koroku, uh, the guy that he saved earlier in the movie, uh, just happens to have his bow and arrow and just like drops it down to him. So now he he has that. Um, we get a brief action scene here where Ash is being chased by four horsemen, uh, not of the apocalypse, but just four guys on horseback, and Yakul gets shot in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> ah, something bit him. <laughs> 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 and Ash, uh, Ash, like blows some people to f- fucking kingdom come with his bow and arrow. By the way, uh, he does that thing where he shoots arrows so powerfully that limbs come off. It's pretty fucking boss. I have the confirmation. Um, it is Jada Pinkett Smith. Mm. Nice. I, I didn't, I'm not wrong. <laughs> isn't that crazy? Like I just from the way her character was, I didn't even know that that was Jada Pinkett Smith that did the the English dub. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. Yeah, no, no. Uh, Kyle, Kyle has only seen the Japanese language version of this movie, so he had no idea. So that's that's pretty good on your part. You should be a casting director. Damn. <laughs> uh, they wouldn't like. Yeah, Ash. Uh, <laughs> you don't want me to get my hands on the DC <laughs> on the DC universe. Oh well, yeah, I do actually. <laughs> We'd get some unconventional casting choices, and probably like millions upon millions of dollars put towards like resurrecting dead actors (laughs) (laughs) it would just be grandma tarkins everywhere it would just be yeah Yeah, it'd be a bunch of cgi philip seymour hoffman's (laughs) he could be a penguin he could be penguin he could have been penguin that was the the rumor for years are you serious that uh yeah uh for the christopher nolan batman movies every like everybody and their mother was saying he's too perfect a fit like he seems like he should have been in christopher nolan movies yeah he seems like he would have the skills he's right there he can he can he can dial it in he won't be fucking he won't be a campy uh a penguin don't get me wrong i love danny devito's penguin but he would be he's the best he would be i'm gonna find her and I'm gonna oh. hurt her. <laughs> I'm gonna hurt her. <laughs> <laughs> like a wife or something. Yeah. God. <laughs> He's great. He was great. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, where are we at? Uh, pig massacre. Pig massacre. Yeah. Rip. So Ash, Ash heads towards the Smoky Mountain after he dispatches the horsemen. <laughs> Smoky Mountain. And uh, Smoky Mountain. Pig, Smoky Mountain Pig Massacre. <laughs> they're like, oh, this is like an annual event. They're like, oh, this stinks so bad. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's a bunch of dead pigs. It probably smells delicious. What are you guys talking about? I'm sure it smells <laughs> great. Um, so he also comes across some straw blankets covering some dead, some dead humans. So this was not an entirely one-sided battle. Um, and what's interesting here is there's a bunch of monk, like warrior monks, who clearly are like in charge here but then all the other people at the smoky mountain are from irontown it's all people that we met earlier in the movie and one of them is like severely traumatized uh he says he's been bur- he's been burying all like his friends all day uh so this was a costly battle on both fronts um although the pigs clearly got the worst end of it yeah um 
but yeah, the monks are calling the shots, and uh, one of them remark, like one of the Iron Town people remarks that Aboshi is just being used by Jigo. Uh, we knew we knew that obviously, um, and then we see a uh, a reenactment of how the battle actually went down, um, and. I guess they were like the equivalent to like landmines, so like ex explosives under the ground, um, and they put the Iron Town people at the front line to receive the brunt of the Boar's charge, and then they blew everyone up. Mm. Uh, so a bunch of Iron Town people got blown up for no real reason, and then they use these like the monks use these like stone grenades that are really fucking clever. <laughs> Basically, it's like a a black powder explosive, but inside like a a cube shaped block of rock mm -hmm. so i'm guessing the shrapnel caused by the explosion makes it deadly uh, but they're just like kicking them down the mountain at the, all the pigs and uh pretty much all the pigs buy it here um and then one of the the wolf pups uh <laughs> just kind of like pokes its head out from under one of the dead pigs and it's it's like dying like it's it's being smushed uh, it's, it's being smothered by this pig corpse and uh, ash ash like jumps down to try to save it bunch of the iron town people kind of hesitantly like you know they're not too thrilled about it but they see him and you know they decide to like oh, we should probably help him out and uh there's this big revolt uh the villagers fight back against the monks and then they save the wolf and uh then we cut to the the forest and uh there are two parties uh, heading to the same location so jigo iboshi and and like jigo's like group of hunters they're all headed towards uh, the spirit of the forest territory in that mossy area. Um, and then Okoto, San, and uh, one of the wolf pups are headed towards their, towards that place as well. And Okoto is thoroughly fucked up. Like, he is mm -hmm. bleeding all over the fucking place. He and, has uh, seen better the, days. <laughs> oh, yeah, he is messed up. And uh, <laughs> uh, the apes show up again, and they're throwing shit. They're throwing shit at Son again. <laughs> like that's, that's apparently what the apes do. They throw shit at people, not actual feces as they as they do in real life, but like sticks and stuff. Um, but yeah, they they're not happy about what's going on. And there's like a, a tidal wave of mice that show up here. And uh, as it so happens, uh, all the monks are wearing boar skins, and it's a, another very clever play on their part where basically a whole bunch of them show up and they're all wearing boar skins and they're like sliding around the ground and it it looks really creepy because the, the eye holes for the boars are just black. Mm -hmm. So you can tell it's not real, but Okoto's blind and he can only smell and he's also badly wounded. So he thinks that like, uh, like I don't know, like a secondary regiment of boars just showed up in the woods. So he, he like gets his second wind. He's like, yeah, we're rallying the troops, yeah. guys. And it's like... It's like, uh, not quite. No, buddy. That's not what that like, is. Son sees, son sees through it, no problem. She's like, yeah, those aren't real boars, but he's he's not having any of it. And this was the scene that I think I mentioned to you off air where Keith David, like his vocal talent really comes into play. Um, because Okoto's ramblings in the scene, he, in the Japanese version, it, he comes across as more resolute and more clear-headed. Mm -hmm. Whereas Keith David sounds like wounded and delusional where it's like he sounds he sounds senseless like he sounds like he's gone nuts and it, it it's a great performance i mean it always is with keith david yeah. <laughs> um at this point uh son gets knocked the fuck out with a sling uh which ow that's a concussion right there <laughs> uh 
and she falls on Okoto's snout, and then uh, this is where the demon curse comes back. Yeah. Uh, so Okoto starts sprouting uh, the the wormy things, and it spreads the sun, and the the demon theme comes back. The music, and it's again like terrifying and well composed. Uh, and then Ash uh, ambles down the mountain on Wolfback. <laughs> and there's this funny there's this really funny scene that's another thing where i don't think i'm supposed to laugh but i just do where he uh, he jumps over the hunters so he his first move is to find eboshi and tell her that hey iron town's under attack and what makes me laugh is that he hops off the wolf in like midair and he just like stands straight up in front of her and he says iron town's under attack and then he just like takes off and runs the opposite direction away from her uh-huh. it's like it reminds me of like a little kid on a playground being like, "I like you," and then just runs away. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. just runs away like a little coward or like spazzes out. But she's like, "Uh, we're gonna go kill a spirit or the spirit of the forest." I've taught them well; they'll be fine. Or more like, if they die, uh, what are you gonna do? I did the best I could with that with that group. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, so he runs off, and now, yeah, San is actually, like, attached to, um, what's his name again? Otaku, uh, not Otaku, uh, <laughs> too many Japanese words Oko- this month. Uh, Okoto. Okoto. Uh, she's, like, attached to him inside of his demon, demon boredness. Um, <laughs> but uh, as, uh, as Ash is running up, he kind of just, like, the... So there's dudes underneath the skins of the of the boars, and he kind of like they're running almost together. Like he runs past them, he like he hops over mm-hmm. them at one point, yeah. But they all kind of get there at the same time, more or less, in front of uh, what's his face. Uh, Okoto. Yeah, Okoto. Yeah. Um. So they they're basically arriving at the 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 pool of water where the forest spirit lives, and uh, Moro is here. And and I've never seen a, a wolf with dark circles under its eyes. So this is a wolf with a hangover, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny here because, like, Ash has an exchange with them. It's like, ah, oh, we need to save Son and stuff. And Moro's just like, you know, I was just kind of, like, getting ready to die here. But fine. Fine. Fucking fine. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, Ash, un- like, unsuccessfully tries to save son from the top of Okoto's snout. He gets thrown around a bit. And uh, Moro actually stops Okoto at the edge of the water and uh, kind of stops him in his tracks. And they have an exchange here. And there's a there's a neat moment where Moro's, like, pissy, like all piss and vinegar. Um, and Okoto's just, like, covered in these these dark worms and shit. Like, he's, he's full demon god at this point. And Moro just kind of, like, sneers at him and the the voiceover says like you can't even talk now can you mm. so it, like that that thing that okoto was saying about how like all of us boars have, have grown small and stupid it's like yeah he's 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 there now like he's he's no longer a a boar god he's just a big vicious animal and it's you can tell it's like moro's just disgusted by it uh and then the the forest spirit shows up and uh it just casually walks up to both the giant wolf and the giant boar and uh all the the curse worms all the demon worms like die immediately pretty much as soon as it see as soon as okoto sees the spirit so it's that fucking powerful 
and uh moro i think takes son off of okoto's snout like just kind of like bites her <laughs> just like kind of pulls her off and uh says the line to ash like can you can you save the girl you love it's like whoa 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 love let's not let's not go nuts here it's like, <laughs> nuts. like, like you're a present but <laughs> i'm not not in love yeah, it's like, oh, you know, okay. <laughs> like, I know you're you're on your deathbed here, so I'll humor you, but uh, I don't see a future. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, Eboshi shoots the spirit of the forest through the neck, and it shrugs it off. And there's a funny line here where Eboshi's like, oh, it's a god. It might take more than one bullet. It's like, you think? You think? <laughs> I mean, if it's that easy, Jesus. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, both Moro and Okoto, like Okoto falls dead because the spirit of the forest touches him on the snout, I think, like kisses him basically, and he just drops dead. Uh, Moro, on the other hand, just kind of collapses, and as they had told us earlier in the movie, they're they're dying. They know it. Um, but now we're transitioning from uh, nighttime to daytime, and so the spirit of the forest starts to turn into its night walker form and jigo seems to take there's a lot of things jigo knows in this movie that i don't know how he knows them yeah he shouldn't um, know these things well i guess he's been observing um i think he's observing and he's also making his own um conclusions with stuff i think that's kind of what he's up to but he does seem well, to be and yeah 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 he does seem like the kind of character that would you know say that he knows something yeah. without actually knowing it Especially since he's very clearly manipulating Eboshi. So, like, he's like, yeah, go shoot it. (laughs) Go do the thing. In fact, there's a line he said earlier that I didn't point out. That's like, if you're going to kill a god, make sure someone else does it. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Make sure someone else gets the kill shot so you don't get the bad karma that comes with it. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, the the forest spirit is turning into the Night Walker. And uh, it we get to see the transformation and it's it's almost the entire transformation happens in its neck like it turns it starts to stretch its neck towards the sky Mm -hmm. it looks kind of like a giraffe but with like a deer's body and uh despite ash attempting to intervene by throwing his sword into iboshi's rifle and by the way she steps out of cover to do this like she's she wants the glory that comes with this uh she doesn't give a shit she shoots the she shoots the Nightwalker through the throat, and its head just just pops right the fuck off. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this really cool animation moment here where um, I don't know what what sort of techniques would go into this, but basically it looks like a a water droplet forming on top of the the neck stump, and like the the rest of its body sheds like a skin, mm-hmm. and what comes out of it is just this like goo. So it's this giant pile of goo that looks like a giant amoeba or something. And there's, like, um, from the, the impact on the neck, all these, like, droplets of goo kind of bounce all over the place. And it, almo- it behaves almost like mercury or something. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, there's all these droplets of slippery goo all over the place. And everything it touches, everything the goo touches dies instantly. Um, so this shit's dangerous. And this is, <laughs> this is where I started getting flashbacks to Akira. <laughs> it reminded me of Tetsuo at the end of the movie. Mm. And I don't know what it is about Japanese animation, but a lot of very high-budget Japanese animated films end in this fashion with some kind of goo or some kind of, like, 
it's like it's like Dante's Peak or Volcano or something where it's like just some sort of chaotic force spreads like wildfire and there's it feels like there's no hope and the music gets really dire it's just a thing that happens in a lot of them I don't know why but it does um, so yeah the goo's all over the place and immediately uh, Jigo makes a move for it and he puts it in this iron box um, that <laughs> there's a lot of comedic shots of him and his guys like carrying this box through the woods and stuff um, but Moro actually gets hit by one of the goo droplets and then the head starts moving. And what happens to the head, Kyle? <laughs> the, the the wolf head. Oh, the wolf head bites um, Iboshi's arm off, doesn't it? It just, like, comes yes. out. It's like the rabbit from Monty Python. It just fucking floats across the, <laughs> the screen. Uh, yeah, it, it, <laughs> uh, nobody was expecting that. You just see it. It literally, like, no nothing tells you it's going to happen. It just you see a wolf head come across the screen. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it just wriggles through the goo and just whoop! <laughs> Somehow it gets airborne and it takes her arm clean off. Um, and like she had said, uh, once like just because a wolf has its head severed doesn't mean it can't still bite. And she's she's actually pretty cool about it. Like she's like, eh, you know, I just lost an arm, no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this begins the, the end game of the movie, which is all of our heroes kind of scrambling through the forest. Um, the goo collects itself into the form of the Nightwalker, minus a head, by the way. And basically, it's looking for its head. Um, and it's chasing all of our, our main characters. And for the most part, we're all headed back to Irontown. Um, and uh, Ash and, and San have a have a have like a, a moment here where she's like, I hate all humans. And he's like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> he just kind of like hugs her and doesn't say much. He's just like... <laughs> Uh, you're really hot, but just shh. Sh- <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, so the the Nightwalker's chasing them through the woods, and uh, the battle has subsi- subsided at Irontown. Um, but there is a tidal wave of of death goo coming towards them. Um, all the attackers, Asano's men, like all the samurai outside the town, they get run the fuck over by the goo so they die instantly mm-hmm. and uh ash warns iron town that hey uh get out like i know i know you were told and you believe that defending the town is like the thing to do it's it's not it's not viable anymore yeah. just leave uh so they it takes a second to convince them but they they understand that yeah it's time to go uh the goo overruns the town uh the bellows catch fire uh, so that thing that was said earlier in the movie that like no matter what keep keep it keep it keep it together keep it together keep it together mm-hmm. <laughs> um it's fucked so iron town is just gone basically um and then ash and son are chasing jigo because he's the one that has the nightwalker's head and it's understood by our characters that if we can give the head back uh, all this insanity will stop however jigo again knows something that i don't know how he knows it but he says that like if we can get to sunrise um, without this thing recovering its head, then it'll go away forever. Like, it, it will die. Um, so we have this situation where it's like, oh, maybe if we just hold out, maybe we can get it. It's like, no, uh, none, none of our main characters want to see that happen. So there's no, again, there's no tension there. Because <coughs> there's, there's no debate about this. We have a, a bad guy and a good guy. Um, and things get really tense here. 
Jigo uh, runs out of options. He's just like posted up on a rock with goo surrounding all sides of it. And he just kind of like rolls his eyes. He's like, "Fucking fine." <laughs> he's yeah. like, "It's like thousands of people have died. Whatever, whatever." So they they uh, open the lid of the this like the iron box that contains the head, and for some reason it's covered in green jello. Yeah, I didn't understand that. It was kind of kind of yeah. weird. It, yeah, it's like the head the head is preserved, but it it's like oozing green jello all over the place, and it's really icky. <laughs> But uh, San and and Ash hold up the the forest spirit's head. They do the either the cover of Tron or the He Man. I have the power with it, and uh, the Nightwalker actually just like envelops them. So it, it like dives. Uh, well, it doesn't have a head, but like shoulders first on top of them, and just like goo everywhere. Um, all the villagers and the soldiers reunite in the lake. Uh, the soldiers being the like actually like, the people from Iron Town. So all the Iron Town people reunite, including Gonza, who is not dead. I thought he was going to die. He did not. Um, and then the Nightwalker actually, with its head back, collapses on the town. And it's understood that it died, despite them giving back the head. It died. Mm-hmm. So the conclusion of this film is that pretty much. I, I guess all the spir- all the spirits of the forest, the plural spirits of the forest, are dead. Um, this actually made me think of well, watching it to, like last night. Made me think of the the game God of War three. Um, mm. Have you heard of those games at all, Kyle? I'm familiar. Yes. Uh, they deal with the the Greek pantheon of gods, and mm-hmm. the third game has this really cool theme where uh, all the all the gods that represent elements elements and like forces in the universe like death and like like light and lightning and moonlight and things like that uh, every time you kill one of them because they're all the boss fights in the game uh we get to see what what that causes to happen and so uh, like poseidon's the first god that you kill and immediately after he dies like the like the oceans rise and we get to see like the greek populace just like thrown into chaos mm. so it's like it, it puts a weird mixed feeling in your head where it's like oh my god i did that <laughs> it's like <laughs> like i'm i'm acting out the will of this character but i don't like what he's doing and it made me think of that where it's like this is story of princess mononoke i guess is the uh the story of man's rise to power in the natural world it's like yeah spirit spirits and stuff bunch of hooey <laughs> um but yeah uh the the closing of the film is basically like uh despite all this chaos and violence that happened pretty much everything's going to come back to normal like eboshi's going to go back to scheming her schemes jigo's still working for the emperor and i'm sure is looking for you know a new a new hustle and uh san is going to go try to rebuild the forest and Ash actually says, I'm probably going to help Irontown. Yeah. Which doesn't make a whole lot of sense nope. to me. doesn't make any given sense. Given that he, he, from an ideological standpoint, he is complete opposite of Eboshi. But, yeah, uh, it's a very uh, it's a very Japanese ending where uh, everywhere the, uh, the Nightwalker touched, of course, died. But as soon as it's gone, like, the spirit of the forest shit happens where um, life springs up including on top of iron town and i mean the the line that jigo had earlier in the movie i think is the core of the movie where it's like life 
life goes on kind of mm-hmm. like people live people die at the end of the day tomorrow will come i think regardless of what whether we're here or not i think ash was going with the odds he has a better chance of getting laid at iron town than he does with just trying to make it work with uh with someone. oh man he's gonna be he's gonna be cleaning up, up. To his ears yeah like i mean he's yeah He's going to have the sex appeal of what Steven Seagal thinks his sex appeal is. He's going to be at that level. No, he's he's going to be getting it wet day yeah. in, day out. Man. He's going to be itchy. He's going to be just fine. Yeah. So he's, he, oh, he's the, uh, the, he's the first open relationship in Japanese history. Yes, correct. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I have a girlfriend. She lives in the woods. <laughs> also, I also live in Irontown and sleep, al- sleep around a lot. It's okay though. It's an arrangement. It's an arrangement. <laughs> we have an arrangement. She lives with the wolves. Uh, yeah, I hang out with Jada Pinkett Smith a lot. I don't love her though. <laughs> I don't love her. <laughs> I don't have any emotions for towards her at all. Um, but yeah, uh, the last shot of the film is uh, a mossy forest and a kodama, yeah. and then credits. Um, so yeah, Kyle, how was your first uh, Hayao Miyazaki movie? I didn't like it very much. Uh, it was it was long, and the format I had to watch this on, I I would have definitely appreciated the animation, like the actual artwork itself, better if I had seen it on Blu-ray. I did not see it on Blu-ray, um, and the streaming options for this were pretty much non-existent. I couldn't I couldn't find anything that didn't have Disney com- distribution, buddy. No, nah, I'm not getting that. Um, <laughs> Oh, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying though. That's why it's probably hard to find. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying like I'm not going to get the Disney because it'll probably be on the Disney streaming app at one point. I'm sure it will. Um, but yeah, I uh, I liked Ghost in the Shell much better. It was much more much more my uh, environment. Um, the story was fun. I'll, I'll give you that. Like the, the story was kind of fun, but they don't it they don't unpack it as well. They don't really develop the characters as well. Um, yeah, uh, probably won't rewatch this one. I'm definitely gonna rewatch Ghost in the Shell at some point. I can tell you that much. Nice. Would you be interested in watching the sequel at any time? Of Ghost in the Shell? Yeah. Possibly. It's the same director, same characters. Okay, I could definitely get into that. I'm sure. Um, there's a lot more CGI in the animation, but for the most part, it's 2D hand drawn. Um, okay. It's 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 not a, a classic like the first one. But it's still pretty good. Mm. So, yeah, maybe we'll watch that sometime. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, like, like I said up front, this movie is not, like, super important to me. Um, mostly I wanted to have you watch it because uh, I think it's I think it's very significant that it, it got a theatrical release in this country at a time period when we weren't doing that. Like, we're doing that today yeah. pretty consistently. Like, Japanese animated films are big, big bucks these days. But in 1999, not really. Not so much. And they also bothered to, you know, hire very, very good vocal talent to do the dub. Like, this was not something that people lacked confidence in. I mean, it was the, like, Japanese Academy Award winner and, it, like, the highest earning animated film in Japanese history up to that point. Um, so I think it's just, like, a, a cultural, like, <coughs> milestone, milestone that I, I thought was worth visiting. Um, but... Totoro is is my favorite Miyazaki film and always will be. So maybe we'll do that someday. But anyway, uh, next week, I think I'm going to skip uh, Your Name. Uh, that's a 2016 anime film that I've never heard better reviews for a film, I think, ever. People gush about that movie. I haven't seen it, so I can't vouch for it. 
Um, but I think instead of doing that, I'm going to close things with Perfect Blue, which also came out in 1997. That's a Satoshi oh, okay. Kon movie, another different director. Um, Darren, Ar- Darren Aronofsky has seen his films. <laughs> Put that oh, okay. That being said, um, thank you for joining us as we caught up on cinema, and uh, I guess we'll catch you next week. Yep. <laughs>